Hello everyone and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Usually I start off the episodes with some preamble and humor, but today it doesn't feel right to do that. A few days ago, Russia launched an unnecessary invasion on Ukraine, causing families to flee their home and seek refuge in other countries, homes and buildings being destroyed, and most importantly, the death of innocent people. Our hearts go out to everyone in Ukraine, to the Russian civilians who are against this war but forced to support it under fear of being jailed or killed, and to everyone that this conflict may directly impact in the future. Um, If you are wanting to show your support for this situation, but are unsure on how to do so, here are some ways. You can head over to the Ukraine subreddit, where you can find an extensive list of charities to donate to, which helps with medicine, non-lethal military equipment, medical treatment, older people and children escaping Ukraine, animals, and much, much more. You can contact your government representatives of your country and location to inform them how you feel about the current corruption of Russian oligarchs and how that's been left unchecked. You can do your research before you share any information. There is a lot of misinformation being passed around by Russia currently in an attempt to confuse Ukrainians, which can mean life or death for them. And last, please remember that while many of us, ourselves here at Sorchomp included, use humor to help deal with tragedy, this conflict is deadly, and it does have great implications. I'm not telling you to be strictly serious, but rather just think of the weight of your words and actions when discussing this conflict however you choose to do so. Um, We will include some helpful links in our show notes should you want to get involved and support Ukraine during this incredibly, incredibly difficult time. And again, um, our hearts go out to um, the people in Ukraine right now, and we wish nothing but their safety and their freedom, and hopefully this conflict can come to a peaceful resolution quickly. From here on out, we will be doing our normally scheduled program. Um, We will do our best to keep it light as we realize that even though terrible things are happening, sometimes we all need a momentary escape. And we understand that some of you do come to us, listen to us every week as that kind of escape. So from here on out, we will do our best to um, provide that. But we felt it important to at least acknowledge what's currently happening. All right, so this week we're going to be talking about which video game cities we would like to live in and why. There's a great deal of work that goes into designing an entire city in a video game. Years of planning and design work culminate in something that we as players of video games may or may not get lost in. But what of these cities fit our vibe factor or our personal interest? Of course, as per usual, we will be reading out some comments left on the topic on the Instagram by Uchomp Nation. We are just starting to hit the absolute onslaught of video games that are being released right now. So we will be discussing one of the most anticipated games of the year, Elden Ring. After we will give after we give excuse me, after we give our first impressions of Elden Ring, we will also be discussing Horizon Forbidden West. Two juggernauts coming out hot in this first quarter. Um, we will also be discussing impressions of Dial Town. That's a possibility. Um, I'll explain why here in a minute. Which is a dating sim game where people have phones, typewriters, 
gramophones, and keyboards for heads. We'll be rounding out the show with some social media polls voted on by you, and we will be doing our Patreon shoutouts. So we have a lot to get to today, so let's get some introductions out of the way. Um, Rich may or may not be joining us today. He kind of has an emergency to attend to. Normally, I would introduce him first. Um, it was a very last-minute emergency, so he may be popping up later in the show. When he does, I will do his introduction for him then. But in the meantime, I am also joined by a person who finds solace in character creation in a video game where their character will consistently be mangled to death by an armada of unspeakable nightmares, thus rendering their hard work unnecessary. Please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler, my dear and sweet compadre. Josh, I'm actually really happy to see you today. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm good. I am good. Um, yeah, I'm actually, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see if anything happens weird with mechanics in this game. As far as, you know, parasites that eventually, you know, live in you permanently and, you know, burrow out of your skull yeah, or, or anything like that. But uh, it always did feel unnecessary in the Dark Souls games in particular, because as a hollowed, you were rarely in your human form. Um, mm. So you do all this character customization and then you'd just be a husk. Just just a shriveled, you know, mummy-looking character that, yeah, yeah. And then you'd beat a boss, get your humanity back, finally look like the character you created for five minutes until something else killed you. Um, That's kind of what, but where so this far, game seems to be trending. Yeah, but, but so far, Elden Ring has, uh, you know, let me keep my human form the whole time. So, so the character mm. customization actually mattered in this one so far. We'll we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I I I'm curious because I I was reading a little bit about kind of uh, the the um the stats, like what you allocate, like when you pick your character, mm -hmm. certain characters are better at certain stats than other characters, and one of the things I was reading about is one of the stat stats directly influences a similar system to what you're talking about in Elden Ring. So there is a similar system to that in the game. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that manifests mm -hmm. um, later on in the game. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I just yeah. thought it was funny because, like, um, yeah, you were talking about before the show that you made the joke that you've gotten eight hours in Elden Ring and that's and you're almost finished with the uh, character customization. Yep. <laughs> and I was like... That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That is a Josh thing to do. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I probably spent a little under an hour in there, but that's just because... There's a lot to do in there. The, they always go really overboard with what you can tweak on Soul's character customization. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then on top of that, they always have sliders that are like influencing bones underneath other parts so like you'll move something and it'll change something you did earlier you'll have to go back and tweak that and kind of yeah there's a lot there's a lot of futzing with it to get it looking the way you want instead of picking between three different buzz cuts like in mm. most other games um yeah 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 it's 
it's it's interesting. I I definitely want to get into that a little bit later, but um yeah, I I'm glad you're here. Sliders and all. Mm-hmm. Um not the food, but the uh <laughs> mechanic. Um and my name is Shay Layton. I'm the man who will impose upon others to share a story that you will probably not be too interested in because I want to make you smile. Mm. Speaking of, I have a story for you, Josh. <laughs> so actually, I think it's a I think it's a slightly heartwarming story, which is something I think we could use right now. And it's very humorous. So I I have this student that I've been teaching at my junior high school for three years now. Um, she graduates next week, and she is the only student I've ever had like this. I've ever met like this here in Japan. In Japan, um, in junior high school, they kind of have to write, um what their classes are tomorrow and they just have to write a very brief blurb about how their day was and it's a very quick journal entry um some people view it as busy work other people view it as like keeping track of what you learned and being more conscientious of what you're learning and also being able to check on the students right because they talk about their feelings and stuff in there yeah. Now the student, I'm not going to give her her name out for obvious reasons, but she since day 1 of being in junior high school just doesn't like people. Does not like people for whatever her reasons are. Um I've met people. I agree. <laughs> right? Um so she would write, "Oh, the student talked to me today. I wish they didn't. I don't like people." <laughs> All this teacher tried to help me today. I don't need their help. I don't like people. Shit like that. And it's not like she's like going to kill anybody or anything like that. She's just very, very introverted. She she's very picky about who she lets into her life. The first year, I, I never saw her talk to anybody. Unless like she was required to kind of thing. And then last year, she had made a friend in um in the club that she had joined and um she had joined table tennis club and she had made one friend and the friend that she made turns out to be one of the absolute nicest students i've ever met one of the nicest people i've ever met and uh, i was like oh that's that's a great thing to see and then um i uh this and i i would try and talk to her and be friendly to her you know from time to time and it just would end up horribly and I would try and say goodbye to her for like the first two years. I'd be like, all right, goodbye. See you. Uh, or, uh, uh, say sayonara or, uh, matane. Ignored me every fucking time for two years. And (laughs) I never got, I never got truly discouraged. I realized it was not a me thing. And then this year I tried something different. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to quit saying goodbye to her. I'm just going to give her her space. That's what she ultimately wants. Cause usually my thing is like, if pe- most students are shy, and if I just show them I'm friendly, they'll warm up and they start to relax. Her, sh- she's not like that. So I-, I was like, you know, I'll just give her space. And it's coming up to the end of the year. The students write all their messages for the teachers. And of course, I got mine from her class um, this year. And her note, dude, said, thank you for three years. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I laughed so fucking like she literally wrote that out, and I laughed so fucking hard at that. Um, it was probably one of the funniest messages I've ever gotten from a student. But um, so 
what this year I decided to do something different because every year students want me to sign their yearbook and I never have time to write exactly how I feel or what I want to say. Because like I have 120 yearbooks to sign over the course of like two hours. Can't do it. So this year I took on the project of writing each one of them a handwritten letter. You know, just saying everything I want to say and giving them words of encouragement. Took me many, many hours to get those done. And I was happy to do it. And of course I wrote her one. And I, I wrote something very personal to her. I was like, you know, um, I understand that you are, you know, you, you're not the biggest fan of people. Not exactly like this. I was more tactful about it. You're not the biggest fan of people. Um, you know, when I try to say hi to you and stuff like that, it was just to try and let you know that I was friendly. And I, I started respecting your space because I understood that, you know, that's kind of what you need. And I was like, I'm still really thankful for the three years that we got to spend together. Stuff like that. So yesterday, I'm at my, at my junior high school signing yearbooks. I, like, I'm writing much more consolidated messages. I'm writing anything I missed in my letters. And I have this long line of people. And I'm sitting there signing, and I look over and see like, who, like how big the line is and stuff like that. I look over, and she's standing in the line. And I like, dude, I'm not kidding. I look over, and then I doubled, and I was like, and I mouth, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I didn't say it out loud, but I mouth, what the fuck? fuck and and i was like i was so disconcerted by that and so then i signed the current student's yearbook and then you accidentally write what the fuck in the yearbook you're signing (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck no but i look i i had like four students to sign before hers and so i'd sign and i kept checking like in between writing and she's still there and and like i was doing it not like obviously i was like kind of just like side-eyeing and i was like she's still there oh my god she's still there what the hell and then she finally it's it's her time and then she just kind of comes up doesn't look direct me kind of looks at the ground right next to me and just stands there and i was like we just stood there for like three seconds in awkward silence and i was like hey you want me to sign your yearbook and she's like she just hands it to me and i was like okay where do you want me to sign it and then i spoke japanese after that and she's like uh doko demoi like really quietly, which means anywhere is fine. And I was like, all right. And I wrote her this sweet message. And then um, I handed it to her and I was like, thank you very much. And she's like, arigatou gozaimasu. Like very quiet. Thank you. And she had this shitty eating grin on her face. And I was like, oh my God, it took three years to get her to finally warm up to me the very last moment. <laughs> and I finally, it fucking happened. And oh man, I can't tell you the the sense of just, pride and relief that washed over me because i was like because she fucking hates everybody um (laughs) and it took three years to get to that point with her so um patience does pay off Mm. it turns out and you can always meet people in the middle but um yeah (laughs) i should say almost always rather you know Mm -hmm. all things considered but um yeah, that's my my story. That hopefully one or two people smile from that story. Um, it, it it certainly made my day, and I wanted to share it. But um, yeah, actually, check this out, Josh. Um, I have another intro to do because it turns out that uh, our third member has rejoined us. So let me do that. I'm joined by a man who once was set up with someone through phone conversation by a mutual friend. After speaking for weeks on the phone, they decided to meet up at a coffee shop down the street from our fellow co-host. When he arrived, 
he realized that he had been talking to his own ass, farting at him through the business phone that he kept in his back pocket that he would accidentally butt dial. Please welcome to the show <laughs> my friend Rich Meister. Rich, it's good to see you today. I tongue punched my own fart box. <laughs> Yes, you ran with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I am back. Uh, big asterisk. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, you've spoken big asterisk asterisk. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, spoken about my my current ongoing situation. I just said yeah, in an emergency, and I left it at that. Yeah, let's call it that. Um, that emergency is currently asleep on a couch in the other room. Um, but I'm gonna have to be getting up uh, pretty frequently to go make sure he stays that way because. Let's just say um, the reason I wouldn't leave him alone in that room he'd prefer to be in anyway is because the last time I did, I had to replace all the carpeting in that room. Oh, yikes. Yikes, yeah. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to pop in and check. Uh, by the way, yeah. he's not talking well, about you let your a... brother-in-law crash on the couch. That piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> the funnier part of it is my brother-in-law listens Always to Always munching podcast. all the carpet. <laughs> No, but Rich is talking about his, uh, we've talked about it on the show when he first got it, um, his puppies. And herpes. Now, his puppy, his puppy is eight months old right now and is, uh, in that teenager phase of just wanting to play all the time, so. Rich, uh, before the show was trying to entertain his puppers and, uh, could not get him to calm down, so we're actually starting kind of late today. Yeah, there's no one else to watch him right now, and the real, so I'm, I'm probably gonna be in and out a lot. Um, and at one point may just disappear altogether, but I wanted, there's so many games we've been playing that I don't want to miss the show. Well, it might be something where you miss out on the topic and then you join us for the games portion. We'll see. It remains to be seen. Yeah. I wanted to come back for a few minutes while I can, um, cause he'll be up again in a few minutes. And I figured out what I, I was kind of correcting him what the real problem is. Do you know why he doesn't like me sitting up here in this chair? Because he, this chair is too small for him to sit in my lap. Mm-hmm. Mm. I actually... You, you had to run off last time because I was already getting in trouble, but I was about to say that you should probably see if you can have a sidecar mounted to your gaming chair. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, a brilliant idea. Yeah. I was thinking of buying a recliner for up here, and if I do, I may have to put it behind the desk instead of where I wanted to put it just so he can sit there while we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be something to look into. I mean, you could probably get a... I, I don't know the situation. I mean, I if sh- nothing else, you can get one of those baby Bjorn carriers and just oh. strap them to your chest. That'll really help uh, me, you know, define my pectoral muscles, too. Mm-hmm. Just yep. pop them. Ah. The way I'm going to wear it. I mean, that would be more of like your 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 lats and your... No, like no, your I'm, tra- this is going to hang straight from my nipples. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So you're going for that uh, South Park look? Yes. All right. All right. I can, I, you know, I'll get behind that. Not literally, of course. I mean, unless you're, unless you're into that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. But uh, let's get well, into the show. We've had enough preamble. Um, so today, first, we're going to be talking about the topic of what video game city would we like to live in and why. And I think this is a really interesting topic to talk about because a lot of times we get into these video game cities and some of them we really jive with and some of them are just there and we don't really think about it but it takes a long time to develop and create a city within a video game there's a lot of work that goes into that and um 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we often think about that. I think that's one of the reasons why people were so excited for Cyberpunk 2077, because Night City was supposed to be this rumored most alive city to date. It sure uh, was situation. supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, you know, it a, certainly as was st- to scale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, at this point it has a new update that's apparently fixed almost all of the issues that the original game had or the uh, release game, the release version of the game had. Um, we haven't had time to test it out yet. That's something that I may test out here when I get they're, time in 2032. But um, mm-hmm. they're, they're calling it the too little too late patch. <laughs> yes, but um, so it might be something where that situation has drastically improved um, and we just don't know about it because we haven't experienced it personally yet. But I have read that the situation has improved in that game, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're talking. We're I'll talking play it when the they cities. ported the switch. <laughs> Hopefully that never happens. Um, I am really curious to hear what you guys came up with. Uh, Josh, I'm going to go. Uh, actually, I'll throw it to you first, Rich. I'll throw it to you first. What is yeah, one video game city you'd want to live in and why? Great idea, because I might have to slip away for a few minutes yeah. right after yeah. this. Um, yeah. You know what's funny is when I was making the short list for this, it was so much easier to list ones that I would never live in because mm. so many video game places are just horrible dystopias. Um, but towards the top of my list is actually one of my favorite fantasy cities ever. Uh, which is Lindblom from Final Fantasy Nine, mm. which is um, sort of the steam. It's it's like the second big capital you go to in Final Fantasy Nine. It is sort of like the steampunk republic uh, place. Like it, it's basically this big clockwork city built around this huge castle with like airship docks going in and out of it. And um, it like there's some bad stuff that happens to that city in the course of that game. But also, in terms of that world, it seems like one of the safest places to actually live. And it's just fucking cool. Like, it is a city that is basically tiered upwards in districts. And, like, every every single uh, area of the city is built rising upwards around this huge castle. And there are, like, airship docks and huge gates for air travel, like, all around it. It's just, like, this bustling, huge steampunk metropolis. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I I mean obviously I didn't play enough of the game to know that to have that intimate de- amount of uh detail and time with it unfortunately, but I mean there are a lot of really great Final Fantasy cities and towns in, to talk about. Totally. In in that game in particular, that's probably the one you spend the most time in. Mm. It is the at, at the outset of that game, that is the city you are trying to get to. Um, after that game sort of opens with a whole kidnapping plot and things don't exactly go as planned, but that was always the place you were supposed to end up. Right, 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 right. Uh, Josh, what is one of your choices? Um, kind of, kind of on a similar vein there. There are lots of places you don't want to live in these games. Um, (laughs) Rapture. Yeah, exactly. All the towns like, oh, what are some cities that are really memorable? And yeah, exactly. You, You think of. I mean, Rapture is probably the number one that comes to mind. Like, no, not there. Blight um, Town, all the good ones. Yeah. Um, man, I'd love to live in Raccoon City. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Silent yeah. Hill. Mm-hmm. I could live in New York City from Spider-Man or Parasite Eve. 
I uh, dude, I'm late to work like every day because the Green Goblin is just like seizing control of the Midtown Tunnel. Exactly. Fuck is Willem Dafoe's problem? It's you know, uh, I mean, honestly, his problem is he's too good at acting and he got too absorbed into the character mm. and has since literally become the Green Goblin. Fair point. Fair point. But yeah, Josh, enough stalling. It was it was strange, strange how the you know. City gave him that grant money to, you know, actually Created fund the, the research to, yeah, to, to make that happen. I mean, I couldn't believe it when they gave Alfred Molina all those mo- all that money to make those arms, but they did. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, similar similar vein here. You you, you went with Final Fantasy IX. My my one of my first choices would have been Dailing City from Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, that's a good is, one. Which is uh the one uh. Kind of at the end of disc one slash it it comes up a bunch of times during different flashbacks. Noah's father the lives there. Yes, yeah. It, it General seems Caraway, like got is that a... his name? Yeah. Yeah. My memory like... worked. Holy yeah. shit. What is the what is the city uh from eight where Laguna spends like a decent chunk of time living like the small town Esther one? City. Oh, oh Windhill. Not not town. Esther City, Windhill. I there's like I'm never yeah, one to like want to live in a small village, but that's one of my favorite of it's small a good village. One. That's claim. a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I always like Dailing. It's not one of the huge cities in the game, but it's like still seems pretty big. They've got a good jazz scene going on. I was gonna say it's got a very jazzy vibe. I love the Dailing City theme. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. That's that's one of my favorite city themes. Like only one planned political assassination that we know of tried to you know was carried out there. Exactly, (laughs) just the one. And they fucked it up too. Mm -hmm. Very safe place to live. I mean, the the good thing is, you know, they have parades there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and parades, you know, where it's really easy for you to awkwardly sneak through the crowd while dressed like an anime protagonist. <laughs> What's that right. guy in a leather coat with all those belts doing? And he has a Remember. giant sword on his back. Oh, he's fine. Remember, blend in. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting choice, Josh. I, yeah, I did, definitely didn't expect that. Um, one of my choices is uh, Beauclair from witcher 3 mm. and uh probably i wish rich didn't have to go because he'd probably have something to say but the reason why i like beauclair is because it's one of the more vibrant cities in witcher 3 there's a lot of color and there's a lot of culture happening within that city and i think one of the things that you know it's it's hard to consider this topic because you go to all these these cities and you have all these experiences but you're having all the the highest highs and the lowest lows of these cities. You know, uh, the average person isn't going to experience the lowest of lows. And there's some Mm -hmm. pretty fucked up things that happen in Beauclair in Witcher 3, but it has a vibrant cultural scene there. And should you want to get involved in more of the politics and drama, it exists there. And especially that existence in a supernatural sense as well. Um, I really like the scale of the city, and I think that I could... like. You know, it's the classic period question of if you could go back into a time into a specific era, where would you go? I think it'd be really interesting to go to Beauclair if that, you know, exists in a parallel universe and experience time around then. So I think Beauclair would be one of my my choices. Yeah, so um, I think it's a good one. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you. What's another one that... um? 
you guys have rich i'll throw it right back to you first since you're uh back. yeah another in my top three can, was can, uh can i ask one question before you reveal it sure is there gonna be one from the yakuza series um like yes yeah like well that's the one but this that wasn't the one i was gonna bring up next fuck i'm sorry i spoiled it then i'm sorry it's okay um my next one uh was going to be the citadel from mass effect dude that was on my list too yeah i think that is just a fucking like crazy good spaceport like there's plenty of weird stuff to explore like weird hanar merchants hawking their wares in the atrium and then it's got like a nightclub scene oh god uh, I, I that's the number one thing i remember about that that area is the nightclub going there it's got a, a strip club where like you know uh krogan shoot each other in the in the, the closets and shit it's in the taint with their jizz it, i mean yeah. what what oh my god <laughs> what <laughs> what um yeah it just the citadel for me kind of felt like the first time a video game uh nailed the tone of like star trek deep space nine does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think that hold on here here's what's gonna happen i'm gonna nerd out real quick and then i'll get right back to the topic (laughs) huh no um star trek star trek deep space nine is the most one of the most unfairly hated tv shows of all time um and it's mainly because of star trek assholes um you know as you know star wars and star trek can have some of the most insufferable fans in all of fandom not exclusively but some of the most insufferable and uh star wars is catching strays here tough titties but um a lot of people like to hate on star trek deep space nine because it wasn't another flying through the stars a lot of people said uh you know it's the it's basically the soap opera on a space station is boring nothing nothing ever happened and so much fucking happened in deep space nine that um a lot of like a lot of hardcore fans didn't like it because they thought it went against gene roddenberry's vision because gene roddenberry wanted to create this future of utopia and deep space nine had a deeply flawed amazing and incredible but deeply flawed captain which is something that hadn't been openly acknowledged up until this point. And to me, besides TNG, Deep Space Nine is the epitome of Star Trek. Um, it shows a different side of Star Trek and the future that hadn't really been depicted in the Star Trek universe, and it, it was a necessary depiction. It's a different corner of it, and I think a lot of people couldn't appreciate that at the time. Um, if people are so concerned about Gene Roddenberry's vision being tainted, maybe they should go watch a couple episodes of Picard and get back to us. <laughs> For real, for real. But um, to Rich's point, there have not been many Star Trek, good Star Trek video games. Um, to be any, honest, some you. might say, and, you know, there have been one or two decent, decent ones. But um, there have been one or two ones that weren't complete piles of dog shit. I played right. some some good text adventures back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some real good Star Trek text adventures. Mm-hmm. There were, there were, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think. Because, you know, the original series and TNG got a whole lot of love with additional movies and uh, video it's games. really shame them, overshadowing the animated series that way. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> animated series wasn't that great, but... The animated um, series was created to sell action figures, Josh. We all know this. Right. There was one uh, Deep Space Nine game, and it just did not capture the magic 
of the TV show. So yeah, I mean, like it was for me when sim. I was when I was playing, it Mass should Effect. have been a uh, a bar management game where you like Nirvana, Cyberpunk Bartender. I we should make oh, that game. God, yeah, Quark. yeah, yeah. No, Quark's you, bar. You play as Quark would have been a great you run a bar. Game. Yeah, I would love a game that is literally uh, like Nirvana, Cyberpunk Bartender, yeah. but set in uh, Quark's bar on Deep Space Nine. Dude, Dude Valhalla. If- uh, tell, I'm sorry, Nirvana is the sequel that's not out yet. All right, that's if what I Telltale thought. Yeah. made that game, I would be 100% on board. So yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be alternate for that. history here then. Yeah. Nirvana is, is a is cyberpunk bartender game, Josh. It's just the sequel that is yet to be released. All right, that's what I thought. All right. Yeah. But um, waiting for that. Yes, same here. That, that, that is one of the reasons why I love the Citadel, too. I think it really captured kind of what I loved about DS9 in video game form very, very mm-hmm. well. Um, all the positives and negatives of something like that kind of space station existing. And there's always something a little bit sinister about going to the Citadel that I really liked. It kept you on edge. And, um... Yeah, I, I think... That. I think, um... It escapes me the name of the other one that's introduced in Mass Effect 2 that is uh, maybe a little bit too seedy for me to want to live on. Yeah, uh, I, I can't remember the name either. It's been too long. But it's yeah. been it's been you know it's funny. It really hasn't been that long because for I, you it hasn't. I, just I, Earth? I wrote. It's a little. It's a little too seedy to live here. <laughs> no, you're thinking. You're thinking of the moon. We had already destroyed Earth. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, it might be. No, Purgatory is the name of the bar on there. Yeah, just look it up, and you can input it later. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Rich. Uh, that would be another one of my choices as well. Josh, what's another city that you would like to... Video game city that you'd like to live in? So, honorable mention I meant to bring up before we get... Before we moved on last time is uh, Fisherman's Horizon from, from Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah! But I, I love that place, but, it, it, you know, it feels too small to really be a city. It's kind of the... I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um. Oh, but anyway, yeah, so we'll, we'll call that part of an answer then. I mean, but, uh, the only way I'd allow it is if that fucking theme song randomly plays right? on citywide speakers throughout the day. Exactly. That, dude, like, if I heard, because you know I went to that Final Fantasy VII um, orchestral concert almost four years ago now. If I got to hear Fisherman's Horizon live, I would probably openly weep. That is one of my all-time favorite um, so Final good. Fantasy songs. So so good, um. Yeah, like I I would like living there. It's a, you know a nice kind of chill ring of a stadium in the middle of the ocean for some reason. There aren't aren't many answers going on as far as that city is concerned. But um, yeah, cool place. Um, very interestingly designed for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and anyway. I decided that was slightly below my threshold of a city, so that's why I ruled it out in my mind. But slightly above in the, we're legally incorporated as a city, so you have to call us one, is uh, mm. Onet. The station we were thinking of was Omega, by the way. Ah, ah okay, that makes sense. But, uh, but Onet, the, uh, the city that uh, Ness lives in. Yes, mm. in Earthbound, that you start that game in because it is such a charming little city there, kind of on the outskirts yeah. of, of of you know bigger cities, not not too far, but um, 
it, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's really charming with the, their bumbling mayor and, and the street gang mm. who have their own, you know, themed costumes. It's, uh... As all street gangs should. Exactly. If you're, if you're not going to go with, with themed costumes, can you even call yourself a gang? No, you shouldn't be allowed to. Exactly. You should go to jail, actually. Yeah, not for the, not for the being in a gang, but for, for not having when good costumes. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wish you could sing to me every day, Rich. Tunnel snakes rule! <laughs> Speaking of, I'd love to live in New Vegas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was well, another I, one of those places I don't want to live. <laughs> well, okay, to be fair, who's making the argument of, you know where I'd love to live? A real city, but destroyed. Yeah, 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 you know. Actually, uh... it, it was, it was, you know, um, I, it was for, for a quick moment, it was a thought that I was like, you know, maybe I would we're, like we're gonna, to live gonna, there. Gonna put Megaton? No, I was gonna put New Vegas, and then I actually gave it a little bit more thought, and I was like, what the fuck am I saying? And then you're gonna go, no, you can't live in Megaton, you blow that up in the first hour of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh... Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are good choices as well. Rich, um, I, I'm sorry I spoiled one of your other choices for you. Bastard, you talk man. About? Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to bring Camarocho, which is the main setting of 90% of Yakuza games. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. It is where almost every mainline Yakuza, with the exception of 7, is set. It, at least part of the game takes place in the fictional red light Tokyo district of Camarocho. Um, it's where the original judgment is set. Um, and that's really all it is. It's not a real district in Tokyo. It is a fictional red light district. But the thing that's so interesting about Yakuza as a series, and I am glad they started to branch out. And, you know, uh, for example, they're a lot of those games are set in real places in Japan now, which is cool. But you basically get to know that city so well over your time with it. And it mm. uses the space so well. And the city sort of develops a history like crazy shit happens in that city because it's Yakuza. And there is um, like like certain buildings you find yourself returning to. And because of gang wars with like um, the Chinese mafia and things like that, basically parts of the city are burned down in certain games. Um, one Majima Goro literally drives a truck through a building at one point early on in the games and that building is condemned in a lot of the later games and people will be like, yeah, some fucking lunatic drove a truck through this a couple of years ago <laughs> and it's just not safe to be in there anymore. And in later games in the series, that building actually becomes uh, sort of like an enclave for homeless people because it's been abandoned for so long because Majima drove this truck through the main structure of it. Mm. Mm. It, it, it just... Kamurocho is as much a character in the Yakuza series as Kiryu or Majima or anyone. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with that game, but because it's a fictionalized version of Japan, I'm sure I would have some affinity to it. Yeah, like, I'm, it, I'm sure it would have sort of a familiar vibe to you. And, like, there's certainly, like, you know, again, it's a fictional Tokyo Red Light District. There's certainly, like real places parts of it are probably modeled off of in some loose way mm. Mm, exactly yeah i there's there's some inspiration there for sure um 
And I, newer I, ones are set in uh, the Judgment sequel, Lost Judgment, as well mm-hmm. as Yakuza Like a Dragon, have bits that take place in Kamurocho, but are largely set in Yokohama, which is a real place. Yeah, Yokohama's awesome. Unfortunately, they do not have the life-size Gundam that is in Yokohama in those games. I'm sure that's a licensing problem. I'm gonna complain oh, about sure. it every time I can bring it up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, so, what, another one of mine is actually from Final Fantasy. Granted, it's more of a um, it's more of a town than that a makes city. Some good cities. I think that's did. I think that's fine. But I think like, towns the, I'll, count. I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell you why I'm including it. Uh, Besed from Final Fantasy X, mm. I'm including, and the reason why is because um, it's still I told, like the third this... largest city in the whole world <laughs> at this point. I mean, I could have went with six Xander people kids. live there. Yeah. I almost picked uh, Luca, so Luca's a great place yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, Luca's awesome, especially because of the Blitzball scene and kind of what you do there. Well, it but... is the one big city in that world before well, the Blitzball. Xander is also fucking massive too. Yes, but for different... That's a whole different can of worms. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, but, no, the reason why I picked Besed, besides the obvious, it's a really relaxed vibe. Um, seems like everybody's chill there. You could get in some Blitzball. Is that, for me, four years ago, I happened to go to Okinawa. And it was the best place to date that I've ever been in the world. And I, I just, I, I fell in love with the place and I, I really want to go back there someday. And I, I just, I really enjoyed my time there. I, uh, when I was, I was, t- I told this story on the podcast when I returned and this was years ago is when I was walking around in the streets of Naha in Okinawa, which is one of the big cities in Okinawa, I could tell that some of the architecture was an inspiration in Final Fantasy X and specifically Beset, you could tell that that architecture had a direct influence. And I was, mm-hmm. it was so weird because I was walking through the streets and I was like, I feel like I've been here. I've never been here, but I feel like I've been here. And I realized I played yeah. this in a video game. And that was a surreal experience for me. Um, yeah, I could probably find my way around New York if I had a grappling hook. <laughs> right? Uh, it's. It was such a cool feeling that um, I don't know if we'll ever be replicated again in my life quite that way. But be said, I mean, it, it has real world ties for me, but also I just think it's a magical laid back little coastal village. Um, and there's some mountains there, too, if you want to go hiking and, you know, wipe out some enemies, if, if you so desire. I think it'd be a great place to grow up and live. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, what's another choice of yours? Um, this is, this has been tough. Like there are plenty of little towns and there's a ton of stuff in the Final Fantasy series because a lot of the towns, they spend a good time building up and getting you to know them without anything really horrible happening. But most of the cities in most video games are just not places you want to live because of everything going on in those cities. Um, yeah, it's just, um. Anyway, one that I absolutely love the look of, I think is just, you know, such a cool city, but the rest of the game, so my, yeah, but but not really, not until they take care of their fascist problem. <laughs> um, 
is the City of Glass from Mirror's Edge. Hmm. That makes sense, knowing you. Such a cool city, just uh, design-wise. And they do such a good job fleshing out the city itself in that game. Other than, you know, it being run by authoritarian corporate states. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I imagine it would make for uh, interesting times, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, things would never be dull. Exactly. Exactly. That's a fair call. That's a fair call. Um, my one of the things I th- I thought you know because I think we kind of ran like through our main choices. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about different franchises really briefly to um make sure we don't miss any or forget any that you know we would really regret leaving off the list. Yeah, but um. Are there any Pokemon cities that you think you would want to live in? I actually almost brought up some of them. Um, like, especially from... Granted, there's not much to go on, but just my thoughts going through them when I was really little. Um, mm. The cities from uh, um, Pokemon Red and Blue are just... Right. Like, I love Lavender Town. Um Mm. It's, yeah, like it's a, a bunch of one. like so many, so many of the places there would be, you know, just just cool. Um, then again, it, does it matter where you live? Whenever Pokemon are real at that point, like yeah, you're you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're going to be wandering through tall grass at all points in time. So, does, does the town really matter at this point? Um. Mm. um yeah, I, yeah, I think that yeah, that obviously nostalgia plays such a huge factor into that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that'd be interesting for sure. Uh, one of the cities, and I, I think it's going to be a bit of a controversial, but Josh, I know you'll see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, from that series, it's a little bit smaller, but I still have no problem picking it. Is a uh, Balan Leah. The city or town from Sword and Shield. And that's the one Mm -hmm. buried deep within the forest with all the mushrooms. I talked about a few years back about how that how that um that that part in the game really, really mesmerized me. And as someone who has a history and a background in biology, I think I could just get lost in that city for years. Like, especially if I was commissioned to do some kind of biological research. You know, seeing why all these glowing mushrooms exist, why all these Pokemon evolved um, to exist within this forest, and man, I, I would I would have a lot of fun living in that city. I think, um, for for me, it would be a really interesting experience to have. I would I would love living there. So, uh, I I definitely I got to go with that one, even though it's you know it's kind of controversial because it's a it's a uh, it's a newer city. I don't have as much experience with it. I think I'd have a lot of fun there. You good? No, I'm good. Sorry. Rich is the one having dog problems, but in, I don't know, the last two, three minutes, my dog has been running up and down the stairs, which are directly through the wall I'm sitting right next to while we record this. You and know, it check sounds if you really want. loud to me. It probably isn't picking up on the mic at all because it's completely out of line. But um, yeah, I can't. I can't hear it at all. Yeah, no, it's 
sounds like the house is shaking apart, <laughs> running <laughs> up and down the stairs right next to me. Um, it's distracting. Um, nah, I, I get that. I mean, if you need to go check by. No, no, I'm sure he's fine. The rest of the family's out there to take care of him. It's just he's making a lot of noise. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, Rich, now, now that you're back, we were talking about any Pokemon cities that we enjoy, because I figured we would approach some of the games that I know have some um, well-liked and respected cities. He had mentioned, Josh had mentioned Lavender Town. I had mentioned Balanlia from Sword and Shield. That's the mushroom in the forest town. Do you sure. have one from there? Um, one of my favorites... Uh, sort of thinking back is, uh, I believe from, from gold and silver, goldenrod city, um, which is like sort of the, uh, big hub city. Um, and the reason that one's a standout to me, cause it's like the, the linking city. It's the city with the train station that takes you back to Kanto. Um, it's the one city in that particular game that feels like this, uh, big hub, like the true center of that world in that region. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of nostalgia with that one as well, but also it serves a really good purpose of, yeah, being a connective port in some ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the cities that I think we got to kind of mention, even though it's not necessarily on our list, would be either Florence or Venice from Assassin's Creed 2. Now, granted, these are based on real cities, but um, it being kind of a window into hundreds of years ago, and the representation of that, I think, is really, really cool. I had a lot of fun in Venice when I played Assassin's Creed 2, just the canal ways. That's one of the places I've always wanted to visit um, in my life. So I, I like the fictional, fictionalized representation of that in the game. And now you've done murder there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, are, are there any Assassin's Creed cities that you guys would be privy to or feel strongly about? Hmm. Um... There is uh this is kind of a weird one to pick out. There's a ton of them. Like I actually really like as much as I was felt like really burned out on Ezio's story by the time we got to Assassin's Creed Revelations, I really like that version of Constantinople. Um like seeing it in mm. that time and that age and how vertical that city is. And another standout to me as a New York resident was um seeing Assassin the in Assassin's Creed 3, the version of New York City where half of it has just been burned down. Mm. It's yeah, like that a, was a cool representation that's not seen a lot. A really interesting time in history to be in New York because so much of what we think of as quote-unquote old New York um, was actually burned to the ground and then rebuilt. Uh, so, like, it, it's interesting to think what the city would look like if that had never happened. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you, do you have anything from Assassin's Creed that you're particularly... Not that we haven't brought up. Um... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we I think we hit the ones that are like the, the standout standout cities okay. for me anyway. Okay. Actually, uh, you know we you know what we somehow didn't bring up and I do feel this is important. Um the uh representation of Paris in uh which Assassin's Creed is that? Why can't I think of the fucking name of it? Um the only reason I, I say it's important I is I because that one. Uh, that Assassin's Creed games virtual uh, Notre Dame is oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. was is being heavily used to rebuild to rebuild it after that fire. Oh, um, yeah. because it is the most intricate representation of 
that uh, oh, yeah, church. they scanned everything. So for, I just for, like yeah. it's notable for that alone. And like that mm-hmm. version of Paris is really cool. Like that game kind of gets misremembered to the point Assassin's Creed Unity. That's what it is. Yes, um, that is the one. Yeah, it I was kind of played that or not. It was kind of a mess at launch. Um, but uh, it's one of those things I'll always point out to people like game was a disaster at launch. And so it got a lot of flack. But if you take the time to go back to it, I think it's one of the strongest Assassin's Creed games. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a good good solid choice there. Yeah, as well. Um do you guys feel any particular way about any of the cities in Super Mario like uh Delfino Plaza or the one in Mario Odyssey? I mean, those are all pretty good. Um They're all so stylized and I think Isle Delfino is probably the one that feels like a real city more than anything in Mario. Yeah, like that did come to mind. When we were talking about this, like just the way it's laid out. Yeah, and... since it is like a hub and everything, you, you yeah, it you it feels a little bunch. feels a little more so like a real place where people might live as opposed to other places you see in Mario. Maybe with the exception, like you know, even even Mario sixty four, like it wasn't like you were getting a real village representation. You were getting the castle. Um, if anything, I'd say maybe Paper Mario is better at representing that stuff about what like yeah. actual. Yeah, I mean, m- New Donk City feels like a new, uh, real enough place sure. as well. But yeah, also kind New of New Donk a, City is a, a nightmare. Level. Yeah, <laughs> but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Gotham City. Eh. Uh. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in Gotham City. Like, they yeah. have a really great education program because every super criminal is a doctor. Um, yeah. But it's just like New York, but 100 times more dangerous and with a really high education They all have rate. accents, though. So I wonder if they're, you know, they've got like a really good foreign exchange program. They're, they're bringing the supervillains in. Like, it just, yeah, it's just sure. a really attractive city to come Importing to become a supervillain. Maybe they're just really Low great taxes. at giving, giving out government grants for people with doctorates. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to research cryogenics to revive your dead wife or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, their education there is not great. It's because they're giving all that money away to, you Hope know, you don't mind the cold, Batman. To big crime. Yes. To <laughs> corrupt police department. Yeah, it's, real, it's really hard to, to, you know, have a startup mom-and-pop crime organization in Gotham. And another with... thing, why does Victor Freeze go by Mr. Freeze? Did he get his doctorate in cryogenics to be called Mr.? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we hit the main ones. Let's Did read we? some of the co- I think so. For the really? Most part. I think so. W- without well, talking about Inaba. Oh god, that's a really good fucking point. That was on my list too, but I've been getting up and down so often I completely forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably my favorite persona city. Yeah, um Inaba for anyone who is not familiar is the setting of Persona 4. Um it is a sleepy little Japanese town and that that game is so slice of life and like murder in a small town that 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 entire town becomes such a character and everyone in it becomes such a character from yeah. shopkeepers to like the old man who's fishing by the lake um, to, you know, uh, Nanako, who's so innocent, she doesn't realize she's the victim of child abuse mm-hmm. um, to Adachi, who's hanging out at the Junez rolling cigarettes in his sleeve by the elevator. Yep. Every, this everyone in that place is full of charm. Uh, yeah, I, I love 
that city so much. Um, again, don't know if I'd want to live there, which is why I didn't pop up on the top of my list. You know, with all their murder problems. The murders only happened consistently for that one summer. Yeah, until those meddling kids took care of it. So I guess it's probably a good enough place to live again. There you go. Do you hear? There's been six murders and a pop star's moving here. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Seems like weird timing. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no idea, but cool. <laughs> One of the greatest video games ever made, Shay. I, I, I will trust you. Because that's the kind of relationship we have. No, but let's read some listener comments really quickly. Um, every Thursday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, you can be a part of the conversation, comment on the topic of the week, and we will read your topics. Uh, so let's, let's get into it. First is from Messi Valoni, good friend of ours, said, I would probably like a quiet corner of Final Fantasy XV Golden Quay. Without demons, though. Then again, as total opposite, Tokyo could be fun if Yakuza's Majima and all those mini-games existed. Actually, there's so many games about Tokyo that you could just go through universes. And, I mean, that's kind of true. I mean, there, I think there are certain cities like New York and... Tokyo that have had so many games done about them that there are so many fictionalized representations and interpolations that you could potentially spend lifetimes in just those cities exploring. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't remember that um area in Final Fantasy 15 though, do you, Josh? In Golden 15. Quay? Uh Golden Quay. Uh Is that the one Far south, I, I know it's on the coast, obviously. Yeah, yeah, she said it's in a quiet corner. So I, I, I don't it. remember the names of the cities very well. I don't know if that's the place with the, like, the restaurant out on the docks, or where. Let me look at a map. I was just going to do that right now, actually. I think it might, I think it might be the place I think the you're first right. zone with the, with the restaurant on the docks. That, oh, your camera's not focusing. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's that. That's that first one to the south. Yeah, that's a cool little. Like it's got a town name, but all that's really there is the restaurant, which is kind of an issue with some of the towns in in that game. Um, I mean, I think that's her vibe, though. Like she's wanting. Yeah, no, no, no. no. That's I've I've mentioned this before that getting the the scale right is always way more about feel, and so a lot of times you're like. Oh yeah, that's such a cool town. And you go back and think about it. Yeah, no, they just have a there's there's just an item shop and one house in that town. I really liked it though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kinda like Thunder Plains. Like there's something charming about that, but that literally is just a travel agency in Final Fantasy yep. ten. Yep. But so I it's love a city. It. You mean that tent? Yeah, yeah, that city. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, for sure. Um this is interesting. We had a comment from someone named General Mountain Time. You will know him as Morgan Barnes, <laughs> for our former co-host and friend, uh, said, Night City and Cyberpunk 2077. I need the sex dolls, baby. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Affordable sex dolls. They're just, it's, it's an untenable dream here in, in our reality. Right, right. At least in this... In this current uh, yeah. 
lifetime we're living yeah. in or mm-hmm. uh timeline maybe, i should maybe, say maybe maybe the market on those will collapse and at some point you'll be able to find a uh, you know a good clearance sale on sex dolls <sighs> right you have to hire somebody separately to just clean out the sex dolls. Well, no, no, too. no, not sec, not secondhand market. Just, you know, like warehouse. Can you just dry clean those? Right. Yeah. No, we're uh, we're reading the listener comments, and we had uh, one general mountain time said Night City and Cyberpunk Cyberpunk twenty seven. Is that a, is that is that a new dolls. patron? I've never heard of. Him. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I I, I don't know. He like, hears I, that. He'd enjoy that joke. <laughs> Here's, here's what I'll say, is if Night City lived up to what it originally was supposed to be, I'd be 100% on board with that. And I'd the thing st- is, I still kind of agree with him. I had my fun with the game. I know you guys didn't, but I did. Oh, no, I definitely had fun with it. It's just more fun to laugh at its flaws. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I don't, like, no, because if it was living up to its full, but, like, even in its full potential, it's still a dystopian nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'd be a terrible place to live but i would have gorilla arms i have gorilla arms now they're in a chest at the foot of my bed yeah you don't do anything with them though <laughs> yeah not that i could tell you about <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's fair that's fair i think it'd be fun even if for like uh, six months to live there and be like you know what fuck this you can get the uh the cyberpunk mantis arms in uh in Dying Light 2, and it was a lot of work to get them, and I went through all of the work. Hmm. I'm sorry you did that. It was pretty cool. It's like, it's like having a cool thing from a game in a better game. Well, it's like having a cool thing from a game that makes more sense in another game, rather. Yeah. Mantis Arms makes more sense in a zombie apocalypse than it does in a well, maybe dystopian not... <laughs> cyberpunk city. Maybe not makes more sense, is more practical. That, that's, that's what I was chalking yeah. it up to. Yeah, sure. Um, Par- Parcival the Otaku, our good buddy and new patron, said, uh, hmm, I don't want to live in the city in Monster Hunter World because what a life. Hunt monsters. Let's go. Hell yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. Have cats and cook you get for a Palico, you. too. And a Palamute. No, that's the Rise. He said there. World. I, I feel like, you know, now they've got to all be catching up. Yeah. Or maybe it was my brain autocorrecting because I like the city in Rise so much more. Maybe, yeah. I do like the city in World. I mean, I did play that game a little bit. And I really enjoyed it's, that city. Yeah. It's cool. The one thing I'll say is I think the um the quote unquote hub in Rise actually feels more like a city. Hmm. Like World, it really is just kind of a monster, like a camp for hunters. Rise is way more of an actual village. I I think it only feels that way because it's like a treetop city. Maybe, but I think a lot of it is like Rise has like stores. It has like a bar and like a sit down restaurant where they're world. I mean, too, though. Yeah, it has has the bar with the little chef uh, Palico, but there's just. There's more of a set like village clearing kind of feel to Rise, and it's very stylistic like i also um i don't think this is like they've spoken openly about this like it's very much designed to look like a small japanese village in rise hmm. okay okay that's the first thing you said where i was like okay man, now i'm interested <laughs> like everything else you said i was like i could give a fuck less but now i'm interested rise rise is a really cool game maybe someday again 2032 
Uh, our buddy JT Ruiz said probably something that was built in city skylines, since no natural disasters or threats would come up. But from a series, probably... I didn't even read this until just now. Besed from Final Fantasy X. Mm. Give me a remote tropical setting in clear waters all day. I yeah. actually didn't read any of these uh, beforehand because I've just been so busy this week. Um, our buddy Tawny responded to JT Ruiz and said, Besed would be a nice spot. Yeah, it needs to be Final Fantasy X2, though. I do not need Sin coming through. Yeah, yeah. Once they've taken care of Moby Dad. <laughs> It's a it's a much better real estate. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I had to bring that joke back. It was yeah, too good of a, a joke. It's a good joke. It was too good of a joke. I haven't heard that joke in quite some time. Yeah. I, to this day, man, you know it's it's so much more enjoyable when somebody gets it. But my favorite thing to do at a party when you like barely know anyone there is, and this hasn't happened in COVID times recently, is to just walk up to someone who's like outside on a balcony staring at something, and just walk up and hand them a beer and go, "We called it sin," without like without. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? And they're just like staring at nothing. <laughs> you don't say anything else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty perfect. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, JT Ruiz, obviously I agree with you. 100%. Yep. Uh, Tawny S, last comment for today, said, I don't want to live in a city. Too crowded and busy. But I'd gladly live in Vale, the town at the base of Mount Aleph from Golden Sun. Plenty of nature and a beautiful landscape. I'd be perfectly happy living the peaceful life. Oh, yeah. It's a nice town. Yeah. Now, I think that's a good choice. And, you know, that kind of reminds me of something we didn't talk about. Is any of the areas from Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. You all kind of make you always kind of make your own little town there. And those are always really nice. But you name them yourself. So you couldn't. Yeah, you'd have to. I typically name them after Final Fantasy towns. Hmm. It's a good call. Mm. I've got a bunch of runners up that we didn't talk about that I thought somebody might, but we want to blast through these. I mean, go for it real quick. Hexville. I mean, I, I, I've got all mine out. Hexville. Okay. From, from Gravity Rush 2. Oh, oh shit. that's a great one. A, that's it's a, a great, great town. One. B, who, why wouldn't you want to say you're from Hexville? Not, oh, not like man. with an X, but like Heck. Heck, Hexville. Um, pretty Dude. Nice, pretty good. Oh, which, which town is that? I, I, I'm pretty sure that's, I know that's which That's like one the main is. hub. The one that, like, I think that's okay. the first, yeah. That's the one where you do, like, all the missions and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and two. Which, I can't Dude. remember if it's in one or not. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, there are some really, really good cities. Well, yeah, that's the main one. Yeah, Hex- Hexville, yeah. Good call. Yeah. I mean, there there are subsections in that city, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you go to like, yeah, different districts and than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that is a great call. I forgot about that one. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, I'd like to add one I didn't think of just now because Josh, while, go ahead with your next one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, while while it's uh while it's technically not first a video game city, it's been in enough video games and been the title of enough video games that we can count it. Baldur's Gate, baby. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that being a choice. It's got everything you want. Seedy underbelly, uh, rich people floating around, vampires <laughs> living in taverns. Yep. It's, a pretty, it's a pretty cool place. Solid, solid town. Yeah, that's a great one. I actually thought of one more, and I know I'm going to mm. get a lot of shit for this. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot. Dialtown. 
<laughs> Dial town, baby. No, uh, I'd love to be in the mall in Dead Rising 1. Willamette? It's a place to be. Thank you, Willamette. Yeah. I'd love just, like, fucking bashing zombies for, like, a month. Living in the Whole Foods? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, before all the, like, eat all the food, once it goes rotten and I get it all, then I can run away. Just chilling with Otis? Fucking mm-hmm. Otis. That motherfucker's always calling me. You my boy, Otis. Miss you, you my dog. Boy, Blue. Yeah. But uh, any others you guys have? Oh, God. It's so hard. I'm sure there are, like, others, but I'd just be racking my brain for a while. Oh. I've got two more, kind of. Say them. Traverse Town from Kingdom Hearts. There's too many Final Fantasy people there going by the wrong names. Yes. Yeah, there's that. But then also, it seems like a nice town. Nice little town. It's got a charm. It's got a good theme. Yeah, really good theme. Um, But, yeah, first one. But the better town is, of course, Twilight Town from from 2, which is, that's that's just a good, solid city Mm -hmm. by the time you get there. Um, Good, good city to live in. It's got salty ice cream. Mm-hmm. It runs like shit on the Nintendo Switch. It's always, always got excellent lighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always at the hour of tw- a bunch. Uh, uh, Vivi from Final Fantasy IX lives there. <laughs> exactly. Why did none of us say Ickenfell? Because that's a school. I mean, it's technically kind of a town hey. in some ways. In in that sort of is a school sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there, there's no discernible city, so we can essentially, yeah. That's, that's kind of why, yeah. like, there's no real thriving city. Like, there's like a pub, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Mm. Kind of along those lines. And again, I mean, it looks hopeful these days. New damn city. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was, that was on my short list as well. Yeah. Greenberg, thing, take thing, one. Things are looking up for them at the moment, so. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. Yeah. I'd, say, I'd say so as well. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I think there are a lot of different cities we can go through, but I think that kind of covers the main ones for the most part. I think we, we covered most of the, the fun ones to live in that immediately come to mind that are not just hellish scraping nightmares. For, scraping for more... Yeah, as well. yeah. There, there are a bunch of nightmare places. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, you could always end up in Raccoon City or Silent Hill or Rapture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rapture, Columbia. Yep, yep. The places mm-hmm. you don't want to find yourself. Speak for yourself. Dial Town. <laughs> I mean, we didn't mention anything from the Elder Scrolls games. There could be some good ones there, but I mean, I'm I'm okay with. I mean, the topic it'd be it fine to live there until you glitched yourself about 400 yards into the air and or you accidentally sleep outside and become a vampire decision to live in I, in a town with such shoddy physics i fell asleep on a boat and became a vampire mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it says in my airbnb review <laughs> i don't disagree with that at all um all right, oh well. fuck! Hold on, one more. I can't. I'm a fuck. A city I spent 400 hours in, Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a fun place where you give girls rocks and they fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. Those rocks are delicious. It's that um that classic like uh green text post about Stardew Valley where it describes like you're the new young farmer in town. Um <laughs> one of the one of the uh one of the young boys from the uh who lives on the beach stands by the shore. <laughs> the farmer approaches you silently. He hands you a raw egg and runs away. Your fondness for him grows. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh. 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 Yeah, I just uh. nutted too. Yeah. Lots of nutting to be. (laughs) We're a couple of nutters. Hey, and on that note, we're going to go on break. We will be right back. Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! Uh, What? What in the blazes is going on? X-Tree, X-Tree! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Swordjump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com! Store. Dot swordchomp. Dot com. Yes! Store.swordchomp.com! Store.swordchomp.com. Yes, damn it! <sighs> it worked. I can enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. Hey, mister! Did you hear about store.swordchomp? We're back. Uh, thank you for being so patient uh, from our break. Uh, fuck Bobby Kotick. And uh, we're going to talk about video games. <laughs> <laughs> video we're not games. laughing at you, Rich. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing because I, I literally just got back from the break. And I said, all right, we're back and fuck Bobby Kotick. And then yeah, that's when fuck you... fuck Bobby Kotick. Yeah, uh-huh. and then you popped up right after that. But you know what? We're glad you're back. That's perfect I thought timing. you were laughing because it, like it timed out where you had like just said that I you didn't know when I would be back, and then I sat down. Oh, mm. yeah, no, 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 no. That just, it, it all worked out. It all worked out because we're gonna talk about Elden Ring. Um, yeah, I'm gonna are. talk. I'm gonna talk about my experience with the game first, and then I'm gonna let you guys get into it. So. I went to I went over to a friend's house last night to um, just catch up really quickly. We live in the same apartment complex, I should say apartment, not house. Um, and they had purchased the game, and I was like, "Is it finished downloading?" And then we looked into their room, and it was done. And we're like, "All right, I want to see like the first five ten minutes of the game because I was on door. the fence about." Like, so that booty call you called me over here for is gonna have to wait. We're gonna. Nothing like that, I promise you. <laughs> uh, I promise you nothing like that. But uh, the so they boot up the game because I, I'm I'm still on the fence about buying the game, even though it's being very highly rated and reviewed, and I respect that. I don't know if it's my style of game. So I watched them do the uh, the character customization, and first off, I was blown away 
at how much character customization you can do. I mean, you can control the sheen of a character's hair. I was like, I've never fucking seen that before. What the hell? And I could see why, Josh, you got lost in the character creation. It's not for me. I don't like... I. I'm not a big fan of character creation and customization, but I could see why other people would get lost in that. I take all of about two minutes in there. Unless about I'm specifically what I trying to see how much I can make them look like Garfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. The answer is generally one-to-one in Dark Souls, if you're, if you're curious there. Yeah, it, a really funky Garfield in the past, but this is, like, in, in Souls games, like, this is the best-looking the characters have ever been, so it adds another layer to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, I was impressed with that. You know, it's not not for me, but I was impressed with the, the character customization. I think that's huge. I think that continues to make progress for those who really want to sit down and create their own character. I respect that. Um, we've come a long, long way within the past 10 years. Just make Shrek like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. One of the really cool things I liked about the character customization, it's such a minor thing, but for some people, it's a major thing for other. It wasn't male or female of the character types. It was person A or person B, which is great for inclusion. Did they change that in three? I, I think you're I think it has since three been just like okay. body type, which is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It, even though it's um, it's something that's already been done before, it's good that it, they're continuing it. It's great for inclusivity, yeah. which is something we've talked about on this podcast multiple times. Checks the box for that, and I respect it, that a lot. It's I such really a minor do. thing, but it just—it should be the industry standard. It's what makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, it's great to see that. One of the things that I wish would have been signposted a lot better is what each attribute or stat does. Is that something that um, we had to um, look up outside of the game? I don't really know if you can that. do that in the character customization. But everywhere else, if you hit select, it's not select, but whatever that window looking button is or, or yeah. option or, or whatever. Select. It's fucking select, but no one can call it select anymore. If you hit that, again, I don't know what it's going to be on, on, a place to, on a Sony controller. But anyway, sorry. Besides the point, you can see a breakdown of what each stat does uh, as you go mm. through there. I think you can do that in the character select stuff, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's impossible to appease everybody when it comes to that stuff. You know, for me, I would think it'd make a lot of sense of before you select the characters, bring up a quick screen explaining what each one does. And for me, that would work, but maybe yeah. for someone else, they'd be part like, I don't of care. It, uh, part of it is that it's overly complex, because basically every stat gives you some survivability. Like, all of them give you physical defense. Some of them will mm. give you more magic resist or fire resist or poison it, it, resist or whatever. It's also worth noting that in, in Souls games, stats kind of plateau at a certain point. Like, if you just keep dumping in strength, eventually you're going to see diminishing returns. Yeah. Not, anyway, b- besides the point, but yeah, yeah, there's just there's generally so much going on that they give you broad strokes what it does, but the best way to see what it does is to just go in as soon as you go to level up, if you move a stat up or, you know, um, up do to see what it'll do. Do the strength it'll, build. Yeah, it'll, it'll show you not just the strength, but it'll show you everything else that putting a point in the strength does, mm. which is nice. It's nice that that's 
signposted so obviously whenever you are making a build. Some some of that's hard to to know what you know that means practically for you if it's you know new. Right. Um, but right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was a little there was a perfect system to make that signposted a little bit easier. It's a hard thing to do though. I mean it's same with a lot of RPGs. There's some times where it's just like those things are not quite as easily accessible and I wish that they were. Um, yeah, and I think this one just having it as a toggle to be able to see what it does in game is better than most do. I mean, most of them, they don't tell you anything. It's just like strength. I assume this is attack, but mm. it's buffing. Most of the time they don't ever tell you what it does. Um, yeah. So it's, it's already a step up from that. It's just that there are so many more stats with weird names that if, if you're new to it, it can yep. be pretty, yeah. pretty impenetrable. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, uh... It's a high, a steep learning curve early on. I will say that. Um, after that, uh, my friend walked around for like three minutes in the world and then just got their shit immediately kicked in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't want that experience right now. I'm not ready for that, that <laughs> right that, now. That bit is scripted, and, and that's cool, and that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that that's, makes a, sense. that's uh, I don't know if all of them have this, but next to all of the Souls games, have a boss that you immediately lose to right up front uh yeah. and that, that's just the scripted boss that you die to at the beginning for this one um yeah it makes sense it's just like there's a lot they're they're telling the story at the beginning of the game of like what's happening in this world basically you have to assemble the elden ring and you have to get the pieces and all the, the like has the, the very melodramatic dark Souls. the melody very melodramatic story being narrated and it was very slow paced and then finally you get into the game and then you get killed and then they start disseminating more of the story and I was like god fuck I'm just like this is not the experience I'm looking for right now yeah it it is literally dark souls I I just want to say up front the oh yeah yeah no like the five lords and it's literally dark Souls. someone someone took the script for dark souls and just mad lib inserted new nouns yeah, that it. person was George R. R. Martin. Yeah, you could you could tell it was fucking George R. R. Martin. That's like I don't that's think a, you could. That's though. a positive and a negative. Like, that's the George thing. George R. R. Martin clearly has his own writing voice, and I, I respect I, the hell out of it. I disagree with that though. That's the thing because it's just Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we, we'll agree to disagree then. But like, I could tell that George R. R. Martin had some writing, and that I was getting some clear Game of Thrones vibes in that intro video just explaining the betrayal and all the things that were happening and um the death it's not a bad companion. thing it's just like the way it was disseminated i was like ah, dude i couldn't give a shit less and then it was like it's only done by the golden order i remember that was like one of the last things the intro said and i was just, i just burst out laughing the i was golden like mask. of course it's the fucking golden order like yeah. who 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 else could have imagined anything otherwise? You know, like so but that's yeah. the one thing about these games is sometimes they are so fucking corny and on the nose with some of their naming schemes, and that was one that was like, oh Jesus. Well, Christ. you didn't like uh, what was it, dung eater or whatever the fuck? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Which apparently one of the guys we're gonna go fight at some point is something with dung. Some, I, I, like glib the, fuck, the, glib the fuck that, the dung eater or something. One of, one of them, the one that stuck out to me was the deathbed companion. Um, but no, it's literally just the five lords. It is Dark Souls again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the the thing with this game and like, I don't know how much time you've managed to put into it yet, Josh. Um, 
I feel like it's really deceptive. Like it's definitely the most approachable Souls game, but it's if yeah. you don't no, it is by a huge margin, but only if you don't listen to what it's telling you to do. Yes. Um, I think that's the issue. If if you go follow the quest they give you at the beginning, you will yeah. kill nothing and die yeah. repeatedly forever because that it's essentially Breath of the Wild. Like you see Ganon right there? It's your job to go kill him. Done. Yeah. Done, sir. You make your way there, you will get destroyed. That's the thing. If you go after that first boss in the castle they tell you to go after, like you're not ready for that. But if you kind of fuck off and go around like there's a it's way easier to learn. Uh, things become a lot more approachable and you can come back at some point and kind of take care of that first real boss. Um, I don't know if you, I, I wanted to get this out up front because like, I know soul stuff. A lot of people consider things spoilery, but I feel like it's so important because it's such an important part of the combat in this for accessibility sake, but it's weirdly hidden for some reason. That first sort of like merchant you get to. Yeah. Um, then that first chapel, and I feel like I discovered this incidentally. If you go back there at night, there's a character who's not normally there there at night, and they yeah, give you an gives item. Gives you the summons. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there are summons like normal Souls games, like summon adversary and stuff like that. But it, yeah, this it's, like, it's you... basically the same system that you use to summon your friends. But if, but if you don't have friends, you can also summon just random. You you can summon familiars, yeah. like uh, basically and having those to draw aggro away from you is a fucking game changer. Yeah. 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 I've got a variety. I've got like a wolf pack. I got a jellyfish. I've got a bunch of random scrubs, like kind of the, you know, those, you know, level negative one zombie guys that yeah, wander yeah. around, basically those guys. And then I've but, got an old man who doesn't do much of anything. He, he just kind of follows me around. Um, but I don't I don't want to understell that system because I really do feel like it's the closest thing a Souls game has ever had to lowering the difficulty. Oh, yeah, 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 it does. It does definitely draw attention away from you. Um, but as far as being approachable, I still don't think so. It's it does... way more uh, I saying more approachable is the key. I don't think it's necessarily like innately approachable, but. Compared to other Souls games, I think uh, people are gonna would have a way easier time than this. But the first thing you it, need to uh, do is stop listening I mean, I to guess what the is, game tells you to do. It's approachable in the same way the original Legend of Zelda is. Because you can wander anywhere, do anything, and 90% of it will kill you. Until sure. you've found where you're supposed to be going. Um, is kind of what's going on here. Like... You, you get the beginning of the game until you have your own horse. If you see anyone on a horse, leave them the fuck alone. Um, you're not doing anything to them. Leave them alone. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of stuff like similar to that, like enemies that are, if an enemy's big, the way the combat in this game is designed, you're not going to be weaving and dodging beneath their feet. Like you have in other souls games. It's meant to be a horseback battle. And yeah, you need the speed from your horse to really dodge any of the attacks. Mm. Um, it's, it's weird having essentially two different types of combat in the game. Um, because there are absolutely fights that you can only do on one or the other. Um, yeah. And it's weird. 
it's weird feeling like, oh, I, I picked the wrong one for this fight. Um, and so I just died. Um, but that's a lot of what Souls is, is learning and going back. So I, like, I maybe I'm mean, more forgiving ish, of but, it in that respect. But you've got the one place to go. Whereas in this one, there's nothing telling you to go anywhere. It's just well, there wandering is. It's around. Just telling you to go to the wrong place. Yeah, exactly. You know where not to go because the arrow is telling you to go, you know, do the last boss but type stuff. But also that feels less punishing because respawns are way more forgiving in this. Like the bonfire equivalent and the other sort of respawn positions it gives you. Like I don't think I've ever really been hit with a place where I had to redo a huge chunk of stuff like in past games. I think it well, makes sense that the check checkpoint systems have to be a little bit more forgiving in this game because it is an open world game. Oh, it's, I agree. I'm it's, glad it's, it's, it's like that. It's a tall order to expect somebody to have to fucking traverse a bunch of terrain. And I think that's a I mean, that speaks to your point that this game is a little bit more accessible for sure. Um, I want to interject there as as one of the things that I really liked about the game that I saw is the draw distance in the game is amazing. Uh, you know, it gives you that same vibe of uh, Breath of the Wild, which is mm-hmm. part of the comparison, not the exclusive reason, but that is a part of the comparison there is yeah. you see something far off in the distance and you're like, I want to know what that is. And I think that's the more interesting yeah, aspect uh... of why I want to experience this game. Honestly, is not the combat, but is, is the exploration all yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild is like, what are all these crazy things I'm going to get into these crazy creatures the, I'm going to find? Yeah, the exploration is a major draw, but that's honestly been something the series has done kind of from the beginning is, but this is oh the man, there's, there's a big castle that. over there. I wonder what's in that castle. You can get there. It's just, you know, in a Metroidvania style progression, you'll, you'll have to find your way there. Uh, figure out how to do that but you're you're still navigating by the world uh, whereas in this one it's much more direct you're in a field walk there um but yeah you kind of always the, the answer you stray from the beaten path you'll see some wild shit in this game and like it is an open world that i think because of the way souls games are designed typically it feels way more intimate and intentional than a lot of open world games like it doesn't really have yeah. a lot of empty space Hmm. Eh. that's interesting yeah because i, I mean i don't something know something like Breath i, I kind of wandered off to the south and there's there's some open space where you see like i don't know i mean i haven't seen a ton of it so far like it's early hours i could be wrong but it feels a lot more intricately like intentionally crafted than than a lot of open world games oh well yeah no i think yeah yeah, there there are too many open world games that shouldn't exist. So yes, it's more intricately designed than you know a good sixty percent of them just by default because they should not even exist. But yeah, hmm, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, how far into the game are you guys, Josh? You said you're about eight hours in. Rich, how far are you into the game? Did you say uh, at this point? maybe about three or four? Okay, so realistically, this style of game. You've barely, both of you have barely scratched the surface. I think so, but I don't know. Again, it seems like instead of... The progression's so open, I don't know when it's going to be viable to go down the main path again. 
as far as that's concerned. So I don't know what sort what? of you know time I'm looking at because I've done you, almost Josh? none of the main content, but I've still killed like five bosses just fucking around. Um, sure. That I think were all optional type situations. Well, what 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 level are you, Josh? Like 14, um, 15, something like that. I feel like with a familiar in use, based off like how I've talked to a few people, you wouldn't have too much trouble killing that boss it's pointing you towards. Yeah, no, I think I can get past the first one at this point. I, I tried him like once or twice, realized I was doing absolutely no damage to him. Um, is, that, is, that, is that health bar moving? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, it might have taken a lot more grinding to kill him without the familiar system, but like, again, having the freedom to have something else draw the aggro off you for a little bit can really turn the tide of fights like that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll have to check back more next week, I think, on your guys's deeper thoughts on the game as you g- kind of get more into it and get the vibe of everything that's happening yeah. in that oh, game, but Sorry, I had, I did have one thing to say with that. Oh, um, okay. With with the as far as more approachable goes, the shield system in this is way easier. There's still a parry on some shields, not all of them. Okay. Um, but after you've blocked an attack, um, you essentially get a faster, higher damage, heavy attack after you've blocked an attack without having parried at all, just blocking it. Uh, hmm. which means you don't have to do any timing. It's just about being able to read that, okay, this is the last hit. I'm going to step in, block it, and then I'll get a free heavy attack that might stagger the enemy. Uh, that's a whole lot easier system than the parry, which is still in this game and still has just stupid narrow timing uh, for a parry system. I, I, I've i tried parrying. I've tried learning how it's timed in this one. I don't parry in this game. I, I think they broke parrying. I haven't invested much time in it. I'm playing a, a samurai build with like ah. two-handed swords that I'm enjoying, but... Yeah, I mean, you can do it with the two-handed because they've, they've even made a lot of those weapons block more damage than they used to when you're guarding. Sure. But yeah, that, that new guard system where you just get a free heavy attack after blocking something is just infinitely easier than parrying an enemy. There's a, um, a talisman build that I would highly recommend that I very much enjoy. Uh, and again, I think these are more intricate than they even have been in past Souls games to change how you play. Uh, there's a talisman yeah. that makes it so you get a good chunk of health back when you backstab, and mm. that's completely changed the way I play this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I generally play a fairly dex build and parry a lot, but again, whenever they that change they made to parry, there's no reason to parry in this game anymore. It's just strictly worse than their dodge equivalent. I mean, not strictly worse. If you parry, you still stagger an enemy. So you get a guaranteed crit, crit out mm-hmm. of it. But the way the stagger system works in this game, if you get one or two of those heavy attacks, you'll generally stagger an enemy and then get your free crit as well. Sure. So why would you waste your time with one of the world's narrowest parrying windows that's not even an instant parry like Sekiro or something? It's like a 
see if you can time your ridiculous animation with an enemy you've never seen's animation to get your parry perfectly correct. Also, you have to be positioned exactly right because the parry is not deflecting the attack. It's actually its own shield bash. It's it's a mess. Parry has always been a mess, but it's been a mess that's absolutely worth it because the reward is so good. But now that they changed block to basically just be a better parry, it, 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 don't don't parry in this game. My understanding is there's a lot of changes that are in service of making some builds that had no right existing in Souls games previously viable. Like mm-hmm. it seems completely viable in this game to build full magic, to build to to bow using like yes. which was not a thing in the past, which is cool because it makes me think like I might do a second run of this game at some point where I'm just gonna use bows. Yeah, yeah. With bows, you always have the you know obviously the ammo limitations but it seems like that's it, it's still it, like more, i've more reasonable. watched a, a number of things that suggest that like you know despite all that even like that's totally a viable way to play this mm-hmm. which is that's awesome that's great yeah because yeah there's... no so like like in the, in that sense it is much more approachable it's just if you know what you're doing you'll get yourself into trouble thinking you know how to do something and then realizing there are much easier ways to do it in this one. Well, it's like I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's big into Souls games where he hadn't looked too much into Elden Ring yet before picking it up. And I was like, yeah, magic builds are totally viable in this one. And, and you know, Deep Souls would be like, you could build magic in Souls and be fine. I go, yeah, no, but like, so, in yeah, this, yeah, it, no, that works. Great if you want to be miserable. Like, yeah. It, yeah, no, it looks fun in this is the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, let's get more of your guys' impressions next week and sure. uh, leave it there for now. Um, I think it'll be a more in-depth conversation next week as you guys put a lot more time into it. Uh, let's switch over to Horizon Forbidden West, a game that we got our first impressions of last week. Very no, we barely. Very barely. I don't think By first impressions. About... Let me finish. <laughs> first impressions of saying we downloaded it and we're going to play it (laughs) is what I was going to say. Fair enough. Um, And so let's actually talk about it this week. Uh, That's the only game I've played this week personally. Um, Rich, I know you've put a sizable chunk into that game and Josh, I don't know. Have you, have you played it yet or not yet? I'll probably You're still replaying the first one, right? A couple years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I put like 40 hours into this. I think I'm at about the 10 hour mark. I'm about to go to the second city. What's the second city called? Um, Plain Song? Maybe. I don't know. I, I just left the first area and I've been doing all the side stuff in between the two cities. Yeah, that's. Here's a crazy thing. That's one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about. The first area around Chainscrape, the Daunt, Chainscrape being the first city, sucks. I stayed there for 12 hours. Um, <laughs> and I would advise no one do what I did. No one be insane like I am. I'm literally doing everything in this game, despite the... F- this is the weirdest thing I can ever say. The entire area of the Daunt should have been like a $20 DLC game that came out between Horizon and Horizon Forbidden West. Mm. Because it feels like such a... It takes place the moment like uh, Frozen Wild ends and leads directly like so much time in the daunt is spent with people going, oh, the Forbidden West, you're going to go west, you're going to go west. Mm. There's a literal narrative line in the sand 
where they're like, you step over this and you're in the West. <laughs> and it, it's a lot of people talking about what the West is like and you not quite getting there yet. You can buy a lot of the end game equipment from the first game around the area in Chainscrape. Um, if you do everything there, which I did because I have a problem and like, I'm fully willing to admit that area is boring, but I just like checking those boxes and I like the gameplay of Horizon. Mm. The Daunt is like, it, it's like all set dressing. And then you cross that line and suddenly things get interesting because you start seeing a lot of new shit. Mm. Um, yeah, here's, here's what I'll say. Um, I largely agree with you that the first area is lackluster i will say that i think that's the word i want to use there it it takes too long to build up a lot of that's my fault though because of the way i played i'll admit that well i'm playing very similarly to you i'm trying to do everything i'm going to every question mark in the area i'm investigating everything and i can't i can't help it Uh, you know i i i the one of the things that i really like is that it does feel like the west and i what i mean by that is you know growing up in montana a lot of the wilderness, yet, the depiction of the wilderness is is very similar in this game. It's a good representation of what it was like growing up in Western Montana. I love that. And so that's a perspective it's like, I don't have. So that's cool. It's, it's it's like being back home. And I really like that. Like uh, um, when I when we first started doing this podcast almost six years ago, I was doing field research in Oregon in um, one of the mountains, uh, the mountain ranges there and it was like being back in that mountain range doing field work it was really cool so i've been getting lost in the wilderness and enjoying that i'm enjoying uh the loop still of you know investigating these creatures and gathering resources and making my character stronger i could not give a fuck less with what is happening in the story like and what i mean by that's like the overall story i'm interested in um to a certain degree where basically she's she's like well she said she saved um the people of the world for now but there's a much bigger threat and so she has to go and deal with that now but everything that is happening in the periphery of that is just fucking either boring or just too on the nose for me like um they're the most rpg town people in the world that live around the area in chainscrape Yes, that was a yeah, problem in the first game. Just kind of writ large. Back in the second game, the, yeah, it goes away in some ways. I think in the second game, and if I could say Shay, like I don't want to get spoiler here, obviously, but it takes if you're gonna play it the way I played it, which it seems like you're doing that, Shay. It takes about twenty hours for you to learn what Forbidden West is really about. That's when you get kind of. I'll leave it as simple as this. That's when the Kryptonians show up, and you get uh, and you get your Zelda quest for the three things you've got to go get. And I do mm. think that stuff's really interesting. I'm really interested in a lot of the stuff they build later with the Tanakh, which are the the people of the West and their past with the Karja Sundom and the, the Red Raids and, like, why that's a tenuous relationship. I think it's hilarious that there's a literal line in the sand moment where they're like, this is where we meet them. Oh, if you step two feet this way, you're in the West and then they'll be mad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that shit was annoying. But, like, yes, I want to jump back before we go too far onto that point. You're right. Every every character in this game has felt like a massive caricature, except Aloy. Aloy feels like 
the the closest to a relatable genuine character in a sea of just tired tropes and caricatures um one of the characters you meet very early in the game he's this he's the equivalent of a religious clergyman politician oh fuck that guy i completely forgot about him and he he just like he the the representation of that is just so fucking on the nose that you have no desire to fucking be interested in that storyline at all or when you're in um oh don't worry that goes chain 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 scrape chain scrape um the 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 temporary leader is such a fucking caricature of a happen to be at the right place at the right time kind of leader who is so obviously manipulating every situation to turn it into what's best for him and it's just so obvious and it's i i feel i feel like how can i even be interested in in any of this if it's like these ridiculous caricatures um which yeah i you, i'm not you, you I, don't just, you you mash well, to skip through the dialogue and you go fight more dinosaurs. See, I, I I don't do that mostly because like a lot of the bigger plot stuff in Horizon, I'm actually very into in a lot of the world building. And I feel like once you get into the West and you're you're learning about the conflict with the Tanakh and what's happening there, I'm really interested in that stuff for the same reason that a lot of the interpersonal conflicts couldn't get me in the first Horizon, hmm. which is when you look at the history of like the Karja Sundom from Horizon Zero Dawn, I feel like all the interesting stuff happened before you got there and everyone was just telling you about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you get there and everyone's like, things are tense now <laughs> because of all the shit that just happened. You just missed the Mad King. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was a problem with the first game. And I think they just swung the pendulum a little bit too far in this one where they're like, let's really give you the backstory. Well, we heard we heard the complaints list too, and they're like. Well, let's not take this fucking long to get into it. I think it course corrects. It just takes too long to get there. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, that's what I'm saying is I don't even think you've seen the course correction yet. But, like, I assure you it is coming in in a way that feels interesting and rewarding. And it probably, in reality, only takes about four hours to get there. But the way I play, it takes about 12. Well, that's Um, if you literally do nothing but the main story. And that's not how this game is meant to be played. Yeah, and the funnier part is with the sheer amount of side stuff, and I'm sure you've encountered a ton of this at this point, Jay, and I find it funny because I can't think of another game where I've seen a lot of this. I've done so many side quests where Aloy gets to a thing and is like, I don't know what this is, but I guess I'll hold on to it in case I need it later. Yep. Yep. They did that a lot in the first as well, where you could wander into places and she'd find something that looks like every other piece of trash ever, but she will hold on to it. Um, Biomutant was a lot like that, and it probably was inspired a little bit by Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Do you, as much as I do, Shay, it might get exhausting at some points later on. I really love, um, and coming off where like the first Horizon ended, where Aloy kind of knows, uh, you know, the true nature of this world, and you know everything that happened in the past and all that. I love how fed up with everyone's bullshit she is in this one. Like, the minute they're like, we must wait for the gods to tell. She's like, your god isn't real. Shut up. I don't care about any of this. Yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. That is some of the best stuff in the game. Is like, because in the first game, it really is about exploration of this world and, like, learning about it and who she is. Now she knows. And she's like, shut the fuck up. 
Like even even her friends. She has no time to s- explain to Varl why he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I do like that stuff a lot. I do like that stuff a lot. Um let's talk about some more positive stuff. So one of the things I want to mention that I I I noticed almost initially and I loved it cuz I checked for it. The accessibility in this game is insane. Um mm-hmm. you go something we talked about with The Last of Us 2 saying that needs to be an industry standard going forward. The customization of difficulty is superb, like it was in The Last of Us 2. There's so much customization you can do with not only um, enemy difficulty, but uh, exploration difficulty, like how hard it is to find the stuff, how, how long it takes to activate or to um, pro- pro- uh, proc some of the things that happen in the game and in the storyline. It's sure. very customizable what you can do with difficulty and how you encounter things in the game. I have a lot of respect and appreciation for that. That's really big. And that's something that um, is continuing to become the industry standard. And it's good to see that uh, this game is no exception to that. It has yeah. a lot of accessibility. Um, yeah. I didn't play I mean, around. Sort of. Speak, speaking of insane accessibility options, th- there are none in Elden Ring still. There, there's just still just, just, just the none that are, that are in there. Um, mm. so yeah, so not, not quite the industry standard. No, yet. we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I think, I think Elden sadly. Ring is a little bit, a little bit different because I think a Dark Souls style game is famous for not being accessible. Well, so I, that's a different that conversation. You the difficulty the way it is, but they should have more options for, for some of those. I think I think that is the AAA exception to the rule. We saw Halo Infinite that had great accessibility options. This game has great accessibility, (laughs) and then no no regular settings. Yeah, that's used all the space it had on accessibility options. I I think we're seeing more AAA games be more accessible. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely becoming more standard. Um, I just sure since we were bringing that up, I wanted to go back and mention that there are not close to enough in in Mm. Elden Ring. They, They need to still work on some of that stuff sure that's a shame that's a shame um i i will so i will say that the accessibility is really great i also want to say that um while i don't like a lot of the dialogue that are coming out of characters mouths i do like a lot of the voice acting and um i would love oh, yeah. in the uh the the actors and actresses they're capturing of that like representation of the the emotions and whatnot is super Herb in this game there are clearly cut scenes that have a lot more budget uh than others like things that are prioritized and true i don't, I don't think that's an issue like that, I, I get it at this point um but yeah. when like you see it's a scene that they they put everything they had behind it it's exceptional and those people look great and sound great yeah yes yes as much as i didn't like the the temporary main leader of chain whatever chain scrape Shane gave the fucking terrible name. Bro, I haven't uh, been there 20 hours and I remember it. No. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the leader, like his facial expressions and when he's on the screen, it, it's great acting. I don't like the character. I don't like the caricature, but I appreciate the voice acting and the, the motion the capture. Yeah. It's well done. And it's not just him. It's all of the characters. Like, you can see so much emotion in their faces and in their voices. And I want to say this. I'm playing on the base PS4. And I still like I'm noticing that stuff. I wanted to uh, bring up as long as we're talking about like some of the the higher positives of that game. um, 
Shay, you would not be at a point where you've seen any of this yet, but it for com- shaking up combat. Uh, Josh had mentioned, I can't remember if he mentioned it on the podcast or in private, because he's been replaying the first one, how in that first game, when you're going off and fighting robot T-Rexes, going back to fight bandits can feel a little boring. Um, and once you get to the West in Horizon Forbidden West, I think they found a really interesting way to fix that in a way that makes sense, but it's somehow not occurred to me is you no longer exist in a world where Aloy is the only person that can override and use machines in combat. So they hinted at that at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. You'll there's a turning point where you're going to get a bunch of that. And like, you know, having enemies on mounts really makes normal combat a lot more interesting. Why didn't they do that in the first one? Half the fucking storyline is about how you're chasing a group of fuckers who corrupted the people who work for silence. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they should have been able to do that from the first one, but it wasn't a thing. Um, There's, there's a real narrative point where it gets to like pretty er, like early on in the main narrative of horizon two, where you get a like quick understanding of why this particular group of people knows how to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's a lot of fun because it makes those combat moments feel important. Another like beyond that, combat's mostly the same. There's some new weapon types and stuff, but it's almost identical to the first game, which is fine. Yeah. Um, a- another big one I wanted to mention is uh, we all are kind of a little burned out on open world towers, I'm sure. And yeah, Horizon has its tall necks, which are essentially towers. And I've done about three of them at this point, and I want to give credit where credit is due. The first tall neck you get to in this game is like any other video game tower. You climb it, and you scan it. Every one I've done since has completely subverted the idea of the video game tower. Like, Mm. you're encountering... There's one in the desert, for example, um, where there's nothing around it. There's no way to climb it. So instead, you have to figure out a way to make it fall over so you can climb on top of its head before it gets up. Um, I don't really want to... Like, every one is different. There was one I even did That's where... Cool. I didn't realize I was doing a tower until I was, like, halfway through the mission. Now, that's cool, because hmm. that was one of the things, like, they're so impressive when you first see them in the first game, and then you realize, oh, I've just got to watch his path and see where I can jump on his back. And that, that, that's it for all of them. It's kind of a... There's, there's only about six of them in the entire game, as far as I can tell from looking at the map. Mm-hmm. I've done three, and only one of them was a like the stereotypical go climb this tower, and it's the first one the game points you to, like, we should override this tall neck. Mm-hmm. And after that, there's been some sort of shakeup that completely changes how the mission plays out and how you get onto the tall neck's head. I like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's really cool. I still think that there are a lot of towers in this game because that's not the only kind of tower you experience. You also experience the towers to get the uh, the item in the game. I'm trying to be vague because there's a story, or not a story mission, there's a side mission surrounding it. Just trying to oh, avoid did spoilers. You, um, did, the you lenses? Do what I, did, did you do what I did with that thing, Shay? I had all the lenses by the time I found that lady. I was missing all but one, I think, at that point. So, um... Yes, it's it's another kind of tower, and um, sure, it's it's the it's the typical Assassin's Creed style climbing up and getting to the top and doing what you got to do and then jumping, jumping with your with, with your Breath of the Wild glider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See, that was that Old was the saddest thing. Push I didn't think about though is you get to glide off with the glider. You don't have a glider in this game, so it's yes, not you as, do. I haven't gotten it yet. Well, you got to keep moving forward. That's what I was saying. You jump off with your Breath of the Wild glider. Oh, okay. 
I thought you were being facetious. No, there, there's a Breath of the Wild glider. It's, in this. it's literally just the Breath of the Wild glider in this one. Well, cool. Which well, that, that all has games more need from now on. Yeah. Um, I do like they they have something that's also very similar to Assassin's Creed. It's where you get into like one of the ruins, and this is the same in the first game where you're trying to solve the the puzzle and the navigating of this very localized ruin. Um quote-unquote, in order to get a special item from it. And I, I always liked those. Uh, I love that in Assassin's Creed. That was some of my favorite stuff. And uh, no exception in this game. I really love yeah. that stuff. Those are fun little puzzly moments. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, d- I don't imagine you've probably seen one yet, but I think the cauldrons are still very cool from the first game. I haven't game. gotten them yet. I've been wanting to get to one. There, and, and again, it's another thing in the same line with the Tall Neck missions where I think one of their mission statements and it's a smart thing to do. They go, look, there's going to be like six of these in the game. Every single one is wildly different in a way that's way mm-hmm. more interesting than what the first game did with these mission types. Yeah. Cause that was mm. kind of the issue. The, like I love the first game, but like you, you get out of the first kind of area and a half and you've seen all, you've seen everything. Other yeah. Than like this you know, never stops. Subvert- yeah, it, it keeps trying to, like, make you think you're about to run through the motions, and then something wildly changes. Like, there's a cauldron where, when you get there, the door is on the ground, not on the wall, and it won't open. So you need to basically find another way inside. Hmm. And when you get inside, it's a wildly different type of cauldron. That's and cool. that one specifically, I, I really, like, when you get there, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, because, hmm. like, the, the, the first one was a game that, honestly, I don't think should have been open world. And they could, well, I mean, open world, but like on a much smaller scale or something in order to, you know, wring out all the fluff and get it down to what was actually great about it. Because there's a bunch of great stuff in the first game. It's just that I love that game. I I adore it. It felt padded. Um, Yeah. Also, probably worth noting for people, I don't know if um, that Frozen Wilds DLC, because I don't know if everybody got to it. Mm-hmm. There is some essential ass shit that happens in Frozen Wilds that is a big part of this. Yeah, yeah I may just yeah, have I to beeline through the main story until I get to that DLC because I'm Shay. It might be worth you reading like a synopsis of it, um, because okay. Fastus, who is one of the uh, Gaia programs that is essentially the main antagonist of the Frozen yeah. Wilds DLC, you're gonna hear them talking about what happened with Hephaestus a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's. It's hard to be interested yeah. just because I have I haven't really gotten that much into if the you actual can, story If you can stuff. find it, there's a lore dumb about how he succeeded Hephaestor, uh the ruler <laughs> before him. Let me uh, let me know. Uh, this is all I'm gonna all I'm gonna phrase this as. You send me a message when you get to the point where the Kryptonians show up, and you go, "I did not see it going this way." <laughs> okay, okay, I can do that. Uh, what what are the big things I want to address before we move on? Um, I don't know if you have anything else you really want to mention, Rich. One of the things I wanted to mention. Um, so far, I've noticed some characters use a lot of hate and bigotry in the game towards Aloy and certain groups of people and some of the outcasted people. They're like, it's essentially supposed to be representative of like, ah, the fucking Italians and like, ah, the fucking Democrats and Repl- like shit like that. You know, um, it's it's clear references to that kind of uh, stereotyping and bigotry. And even there's some racial undertones, racist undertones, rather. Um, that's happening, and I'm curious if the game is actually going to address the topic that they're 
seemingly heading towards, or they're just going to leave it as asshole NPCs. Because if well, they're going to leave it as asshole NPCs, I'm going to have a really sour taste in my mouth. Because, of course, as per usual video games, there are a lot of asshole NPCs in this game, and they are, they're constantly talking like that. And it's like, if you're going to say something with that, go for it. But it's 2022, we don't need to be doing asshole well, NPCs for the sake of it. Well, the first game deals with a lot of that and like a lot of the, the hardships between like the Karja and the Nora and the, the Ashram already established ideas. Right. Um, they take that a step further with the Tanakh than this because you'll, you'll get to know them a lot more as you really get to the West. Like the whole thing is they spend a really long time painting this Tanakh as like these vicious warriors and like they're like the only language they speak is cruelty or whatever, but it's like you're the ones who came into their land and murdered them for years. Like they have kind of a reason to be on edge about you. Um, like they talk a lot about the red raids in the first game, which is when the Karja Sundom invaded the West and just started mercilessly slaughtering people under the mad sun King. Right. These are the people they were killing. Um, there's a character you'll meet named Fashav, who is basically a Karja who has been in Tanakh territory for about a decade at this point. Mm. Uh, he's a very interesting character. Uh, y- you'll be meeting him relatively soon, Shay. A-, a lot of it is about like building back that tension of this negative relationship and the way the Tanakh perceived the Karja and the way the Karja perceived the Tanakh. And I've, it's hard to say at this point because I'm not far enough in the main story, but I think especially because the amount of time I spent in the Daunt, it's interesting to have this perspective of the version of the Tanakh that are built up to you by the Ashram and the Karja, and then the people you actually meet when you start going to these cities in the West. And I, I, I think there's an interesting story to tell there. Whether they tell it in a way that feels satisfying, it's too early to say for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that. And that that's kind of what I'm saying is I don't know how it's going to end. I hope that there's something there to that. And maybe that's my own projection. And that's a more of a personal thing, which is why I'm, I'm framing it towards the end as a personal note is that I hope they do something interesting with that. Because if they're just going to be like, ah, asshole NPCs are going to asshole. I don't vibe with that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, I hear GTA is popular. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So, um, it remains to be seen. Uh, I, and I'm I'm curious. I'm curious enough to where, of course, I will keep going. Um, of course, the combat in this game is still great. Uh, it still feels interesting. The exploration's good. Um, I I I really like the draw distance and the 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 visuals. They look gorgeous. The game is awesome. It's not without its small technical hiccups here and there, but I that stuff never really bothers me unless it's glaringly obvious. And uh, the machines are always cool as shit. The new ones are like insanely cooler, even in new ways. Like they're straight up fucking like Tolkien elephants in this game. It's, it's pretty wild. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see some of the new creatures too. Like that, the, the first boss type, character at their creature at the beginning was a really cool fight and i like that and oh I yeah i stuff. absolutely loved that uh like cobra style enemy um i don't know if you like the way you interact with those enemies that always felt very monster hunter to me with like knocking parts off like one of the first things i noticed in that fight which i'm like i love design like this one of the stronger attacks that enemy has is 
he sprays you with like a venom. Hmm. Um, but if you knock that venom canister off, he's just shooting water at you at that point, which I'm like, I, I love shit like that. Like, oh, I just knocked out one of his best attacks. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to get more into that stuff. It's just it's taken a while because I'm trying to do all the side missions and stuff. Yeah, like la- that. last night I fought my first of the uh the elephant style enemies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's good stuff. I'm excited to get more into it and I'm definitely gonna be playing more of it before I even consider touching Elden Ring. Yeah, I, I wanna I, get I've, more into it. I'm I'm gonna put you know the, uh, time the into, trick to those cobra enemies. Go on. You strike first. You strike hard. Cobra Kai! No mercy. <laughs> Cobra Kai. I, you know, like, I hug my head because I'm ashamed I didn't think of that joke first. Not yeah, it's real. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt, but it needed to be said. Yeah, no, it's really important. It's all good. We were pretty much done anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich, you played a game called Dialtown. I did. Tell us about uh, it. I streamed a bit of a game called Dialtown. So uh, I feel like Josh and I both share this attribute, so I like bringing it up whenever I can. There's nothing I love more than a weird fucking text adventure. Um, one of the things I love more than anything is a weird fucking dating sim. Yep. Uh, which is why I picked up uh, Dialtown, a phone dating simulator. Um, you know, that might sound innocuous on its own, but it is not, <laughs> it is not a game about phone dating. It's a game about dating where you play as a phone. So, or um, a typewriter. I actually am playing as a typewriter is the funny part. <laughs> um, so, you know, you wake up in your tent like you normally do, living on the outskirts of Dialtown. And basically the setup has you, you, you make your way to the fun fair uh, because you're looking for a nice warm place to lay your eggs. Uh, and you find out that, it, unfortunately, it costs money to get into the fun fair. But don't worry. They're running a special two-for-one promotion because it's Valentine's Day. So you have to scamper off into Dialtown and trick some poor sap into taking you out on a date so you can lay your eggs in the fun fair. Um, and yeah, this game is just like a smorgasbord of like over-the-top dumb fucking writing. Like After like the two-and-a-half-hour stream I did of this where, where I had to take off at some point because I had something to do that night, but where we stopped, I had basically run through all my options in the city, wandered into the woods, and was starting down a path to romancing Bigfoot uh, because just there nobody was that into me. The lady at the bank even, like, just was repulsed by me, which seemed weird. I, You know, maybe I come on a little strong, but I, I'm just looking for a nice place to lay my eggs. Exactly. Um, You'd think someone at a bank would understand the value of a good nest egg. One of my favorite, and you know a game's going to be good when this happens, one of my favorite things when you're setting up, one of the first things you pick for your character is your gender, and there are four options. There's male, there's female, there's other, which is just like, you know, if you're a non-binary person, you can list whatever you want. And then the fourth is a gas station employee so exhausted, he's hallucinating. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Um, and your, your pronouns are appropriately if you pick that gender, which is what I did. They, them, goblin. Um, which, uh, people will refer to you by your proper pronouns in this game. So people just call me goblin all the time, which is pretty great. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love that. How far did you get in the game then? Uh, I've put about three hours into it. Um, I, I want to finish it up on stream, uh, sometime next week. 
But uh, yeah, I love games like this. It's just dumb. It's like eight bucks. It's it's funny as hell. It's it, like to me, it fills that niche that Dodgeball Academia filled last year, where it's it's like not something that's super, you know, um, super poignant or gonna top my list or anything like that. But it's just fun. It's like a fun, quick summer it's game. It's fun. It's weird. It's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there you go. Um, Josh waited until the last second, so I'm going to shame him just a little bit because he never does that. Um, to send me a list of games. Nah, there was only good. one other to bring up. I just I realized that I only mentioned yeah. it in the beginning of the week, and it's yeah, been a about, fucking week. So it's all yeah. good. So Should've you wanted to talk today. about about an elf. Oh yeah. Um, right, speaking. Let, let me know about it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of weird games, um, yeah, I've been playing About an Elf, which is a uh, adventure game, like in in the PC sense of you know, like clicking around on stuff um, to to look around slash RPG with very simple combat story about you as the princess of the elves trying to create an elftopia. Hmm. Um, that <sighs> I love this game. It is, it is the weirdest, just, uh, Like, very narratively focused, you know, going off to tell this story. It's got a framing device of, um, you, you are, uh, talking to another elf and retelling the story of, of how you created an elftopia, uh, and how, you know, the five bucks that you really would need to borrow from her, which in this case is a gummy bear, um, is, is not for you. It's for helping the underprivileged. In Elftopia, there's a lot of rebuilding to be done, you see. And, mm. and this five bucks that I need is, is not for me. Um, it's, it's for the children. Um, essentially, it's the framing device of you going back and retelling the story. Um, okay. It is... Uh, it's got a sort of, like, almost photorealistic render type art style but again it's it's you know a single screen uh not single screen but like each area each area you're in is basically a single screen type adventure game situation so like mm. really high quality renders but like the characters on this one instead of just being a single freeze frame they've got this weird effect where like they're kind of slowly moving back and forth through like this it, it almost looks like a 3d effect sort of a thing that that it gives off it's weird it's it's a very bizarre art style that i just absolutely love um and it, it also made me realize that i just i need classical music added to everything um <laughs> i, I thought i, I thought, I thought that i just great, like man. prog rock because you know obviously you, just, you need to add classical music to it turns out that uh you can just go ahead and add classical to dembo uh and that's that's pretty great too um 
classical is the musical choice of serial killers for a reason. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, classical songs performed with air horns and 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 a, and a dembo beat is uh, is pretty great. Um, as, as a musical choice for you, you know, creating an elftopia. Um, mm. with your it, it's it's with with your with your with your cat sidekick who may or may not just be there until he gets a chance to eat you um that bird scenario you did man in that stream yeah <laughs> it was the weirdest shit i've ever seen in my life and i was here for it it's it's so good it's so good it is it is bizarre and it's it's a it's so much of what i like about games um we really fucked up our twitch demographic two days in a row by streaming the two weirdest games we could find yep yeah. I Yeah. Sure. Sure thing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys had some fun with some weird games this week to kind of break up all the AAA games that we're going to be talking about over the next month and a half uh since the, pretty much the start of this year. You need a palate cleanser, man. Exactly. Yeah. That those are important. Those are important from time to time. Um Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go on uh, one more quick break, and then we are going to do our social media polls and our Patreon shoutouts. You're not going to want to miss either. We'll be right back. Good people of the earth, if you're here listening to the Chompcast, I want to say a big thank you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Chompcast isn't the only podcast that we do. That's right! We have Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews game developers about the creation of their games. We also have Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the story of video games, as well as the occasional TV show and movie. And lastly, our newest podcast, Chomping at the Bits, went live just a few months ago, where myself and some friends break down the historical relevance of popular video games over the years. We have tons of content, and we'd love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, or over at the Sword Chomp website. Now, if you ladies are done gabbing, I have some shit to do. We're back. We're back. We're back. And in case you didn't hear after my first break, fuck Bobby Kotick. Let's do some polls now. Um, the first poll we did, <laughs> we do polls every Tuesday at the Sorchom Instagram. Um, you vote on them, we reflect on the results, and we talk about it together, and it's a lot of fun. First poll we did was kind of fun. Uh, I said, guess Rich's favorite game, and I'll send you a dirty picture. The choices were Eastward, Resident Evil 4, Persona 4, and Final Fantasy 6. And uh, 36 of you got the answer correct. It, Rich's favorite game is Persona 4. So well, I said, technically, none of them got it correct. Because it was Persona 4 Golden. I didn't want to type all that out. <laughs> Nerd. It's a but, different game. Okay, whatever. Anyways, um, next time I won't try. How about that? Yeah, how about that? Thanks, Shaq. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
I sent many of the people who got it correct dirty pictures, uh, which either involved a picture of dirty hands, a uh, hunk of shit, or a dirty diaper. So you're welcome, people. That's the kind of quality content you get here at Swordchomp. You're welcome. So many people have blocked us. <laughs> Actually, we got more followers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, those people are already there. Suffering in solidarity. Um, but the real first poll that I did was, uh, how has Fori- Horizon Forbidden West been so far? 87% of people said stellar. And 11%, or sorry, 13% of people said boo. I was surprised. I, I mean... I'm a little surprised. I think it's been a really fun game so far. People love to be negative. Ourselves not included. No, we're uh, pillars of the community. The the negative community? (laughs) Yeah. The pessimistic community? PC? I I had nothing to do... Is that what PC stands for? Pessimism community? I thought it stood for piss community based off that Reddit thread I'm a part of. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't I don't know. Like I can see some of the negativity, but to overall say it's not a good game, I, a little I, perplexing. I feel like to be really highly negative on that, you'd have to have like not played the first one and not understood what it is at all, because it's straight up more of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. With some small quality of life improvements. Yeah, yeah, some pretty substantial, but that's neither here nor there. Hmm. Yeah. Next poll. True or false? Los Santos is one of the greatest video game cities to date. And that's the video game city from Grand Theft Auto V. 72% of people agreed. True. It is one of the best video game uh, cities of all time. Did you mean forgettable? And 28% of people said false. Now, I I don't really care about the city, but I also realize the legacy that uh, Grand Theft Auto V has. Because it's been around for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. That's all I'm going to say about it. I, I mean, I don't, like I said, don't have a lot of uh, any kind of nostalgia for it or a lot of yeah. experience with it. But it's, it's cool to see that a lot of people, it still resonates with a lot of people. That's cool. It's, it's definitely important to a lot of people. I enjoyed playing GTA V the one time when it came out. 15 years ago what it feels like at this point yeah um it's true it does feel like it's been forever but there's something to be said that it people still enjoy that city this many years later probably feels like a second home to them a really shitty home but a second home yeah yeah uh true or false new vegas is one of the best video game cities of the 2010s 71 percent of people said true 29% 29% of people said false. Was that false. in the 2010s? When did that come out? Uh, I feel, uh, wasn't that like 2009? It's 2009 or 2010. I'm pretty sure it's 2010. Okay. Feels like that game's just always existed. 2010, so motherfuckers. I knew it. Right on the money. Okay. All right. Yeah, October 19th, 2010. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, uh, Josh, I don't know if you remember, that was like the second or third episode I did during SPT, and we talked about yeah. uh, Super Meat Boy as well. Oh, yeah. And that was the episode I went over to Morgan's tiny ass house that he was renting with his then girlfriend slash uh, first wife. And we had to we had to tape a little fucking microphone on to a stick and record. And uh, yeah, I have vivid memories of that episode. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think it was one of the best cities of the 2010s. Not necessarily cities that I'd want to live in, but just the depiction of it and the representation of it was very interesting. And oh yeah, it's it's so detailed. Um, at, at the time, for sure. Yeah, you have so many options about how you interact with everyone in that town. It's it's mm. really cool. Yeah, yeah. There there there's a lot about that city in particular that I think is memorable. So um it's one that's always stuck with me. So I I mean I had I had to ask people, you know. Mm-hmm. Something that like Early earlier in my life, I used to give a lot more praise to Fallout. Uh, it's a lot harder to now, but um, th- that three New Vegas and four resonate with me a lot, and I still care about those games very much. <coughs> yeah. How dare you cough? Excuse me. How dare you, you sick bastard? Um, Charlie Day has said he's interested in making a movie, in making a Luigi's Mansion movie. Excuse me. And uh, 81% of people said, here we go. And 19% of people said, you smell like cheese, which is in reference to uh, his character, Charlie, on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Mm. Where do you guys sit with that? Let's see how this first movie goes. Yeah. I'm not opposed to the idea, but let's let's see how this... (sighs) I'd love another shot at Mario where Chris Pratt is not Mario, so let's see how this first one goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm more open to the Luigi Luigi's Mansion than I am the that actual sounds, Mario movie. It yeah, sounds infinitely more compelling. It sounds like an actual plot. Like there's yeah. a there's something to go off of here. If you just say a Mario movie, what is, what was, yeah. and what will be. I think it's more compelling solely because we we've had this discussion when talking about this casting in the first place. Like. Luigi is infinitely more of a character than Mario, and that is because, like, yeah, there's almost this fear of, like, projecting too much personality onto Mario, so as the years went on, Luigi got all of the personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, like, when I, whenever I heard that Luigi's Mansion is a possibility because Charlie Day's into it, I kind of got, like, I don't know, like, 90s Casper flubber vibes kind of like that that style of movie making yeah sure i think that would be fun those were fun they were fun and i think that's kind of what the equivalent of a luigi's mansion would be. do you think bill paxton would be in this movie (laughs) i would sacrifice chris pratt to get robin williams back to cameo in it sure i think you'd have to i i I think those are the laws yeah williams as professor egad Hmm. Yeah, I would do it. I would do it in a New York second. I absolutely would. Even if it meant only getting two years of Robin Williams back, I would take that over the rest of Chris Pratt's career. Yeah, there I'd goes our marketing deal with Chris, Chris Pratt. I'd sacrifice Chris <laughs> Pratt's career for a tuna salad. <laughs> uh, Somebody gross. wants to offer me a, a good tuna melt. I'll, I'll give you Chris Pratt's career. Ugh. Tuna, man. I mean, unless it's fresh, I ain't fucking with it. Yeah, a nice what fresh tuna melt. About? A f- you don't have a fresh tuna melt. Yeah, like, it's, the whole it's point is impossible. It's... That was kind of the joke, Josh. 
the th- my mind is boggling trying to think how you would make a fresh tuna melt. And that's I'm not talking about making a fresh horrible. tuna melt. You both of you misunderstood what I'm saying. I'm saying unless you're eating tuna fresh, whether it's through sushi or sashimi, I don't fuck with tuna because it's gross. Like the fucking oh chopped God. up whatever mixture that people pass as tuna is fucking gross. I know a lot I can't, of old I can't Jewish believe men. you'd cook a fish. Can you believe you'd cook a fish, Rich? I, I know a lot of old Jewish men who would have a bone to pick with you. Well, I'm they sorry they that have fish. shit I can't pallets. believe it. It has nothing to do with cooking, and it has everything else to do with what they mix in that they pretend is tuna. Like, nothing. you look in... They mix so much shit in with that tuna. It's if not tuna. If you buy shit tuna, yeah. That's what I'm talking Who's about. That's buying what most that tuna shit? is. No, Everyone. A lot, pe- a, a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> Come on, man. Don't act like I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Fuck. Fuck. I mean, I'm sure you saw a John Oliver special about it, but yeah, no, not not most of it. I I didn't watch that, to be honest with you. I I have a lot going on. I actually actually research most of the food that I buy and eat. I'm one of those weirdos. But um, I I do so after I've eaten it. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, cool. Oh, cool. I'm dying. (laughs) <laughs> i'm in danger exactly uh majora's mask is coming to the switch are you hyped 62 percent of people said about time and 38 percent of people said i won't waste a minute on it and i am 100 percent in that 38 percent because there's no way i'm paying uh the asking price that N- nintendo is trying to ask to get us to relive our nostalgia every month Joke's on you. I'm already paying it. <laughs> Why? Right? No. Why are you paying that? Why would you do that to yourself? I can play Majora's Mask. Why don't you just... If he's paying it well, now, Majora's Mask is free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Wrap your mind around that one. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I refuse to pay that fee to play that game. Yeah, exactly. You'd rather pay twice as much for fuck all that the other two companies ask you to. Hell yeah. Mm hmm. I will pay whatever I want to pay. Speaking of which, I don't think there's been a good game on that Sony crap for like half a year at this point. Uh, I always grab whatever's there, but I don't think there's there, nothing that's jumped out to me recently. Yeah, it's it's been, yeah. I w- I will say that kind of this, appalling. I will say this that the um market is predicting that they're going to be charging about sixteen to twenty dollars for their equivalent of Game Pass, and it's going to have games from PS One and PS Four on there. And uh, if that's I, the case, I'll be right in on that service. It'll depend on what games they have for sure. But um, if, there, if there's a really good classic library on that, especially, then I'll gladly pay that. I'll lose some fucking streaming service somewhere to save myself a little money and, and go in on like it, if it's comparable to Game Pass in a real way, then it'll be worth it. it. It'll be cool to see if they have like an onboarding system like Game Pass did where you could kind of exploit it and get it for really cheap for the first few years. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm on. I think board they kind of need that to convince people that it's worth it because mm. Game also... Pass is already a thing, so like it's got to have something. 
I'm also curious to it. Yeah, in, in the U.S. in the U.S. markets, yes, but in obviously Japan, where Game Pass means nothing to the Japanese yeah. people, they'll be fine. I'm also curious because PS Now had this, so I'm wondering if there will be a, a PC app for this. Yeah, that's a really mm-hmm. good question. That's a really good question. Like the fact that you can like, and nobody talks about this. There's a bunch of PS3 games right now that you can stream on your PC through PS Now. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they will, um, they will allow for that. So, yeah, um, that's that's it for the polls. Uh, did not expect a, a tuna fight, <laughs> but we got it. I I I can only laugh about it. I think that shit's hilarious. I can't uh, believe you got the non-New Yorker mad about tuna. I just think it's funny that. We're getting mad about a make-believe problem. Well, you know, there's the world's kind of in turmoil right now, and we're all on edge, so... We're, we're projecting, please, yeah. Please don't talk shit about my sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was very rude of me, very inconsiderate. Um, yeah, so the last thing we're going to do, and this is something that, if you are still listening to this point, please continue... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, not your sorry. Condolences. You're, you're happy that... They're here, and one of the things is I implore you to take a moment to continue to listen, because we're going to be doing our Patreon shoutouts. This is a very um, fun thing for us to do. We give thanks and special praise to the people who support us and, you know, keep the lights on here and keep us going. Uh, We're very, very appreciative of our patrons. So uh, last few months, I've dropped the ball, and I haven't really done a good job of creating my usual creative. versions of the patreon shout outs and i you'll be happy to know that i quit being lazy and i made some really funny ones I I made about to go, that tradition has continued i'm gonna <laughs> list some names no <laughs> no no no. i almost did that but then i was like no i'm not gonna i'm done phoning it in so um i think you it's will like, enjoy I specifically this called myself out last month and people might notice if i do it again Exactly. That's exactly why I called myself out too, because I was like, <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it, and I was like, wait, I called my own ass out. I gotta follow through now, yep. and I'm glad I did that. So, uh, without further ado, enjoy this humorous Patreon shout out um, as we give praise. <clears throat> Last Tuesday, Rich and Josh woke up feeling nostalgic. They reminisced on the times that they were young, would go to an entertainment store browse at the cover art of video games, and choose one to rent and play. They fervently searched and found a shop in New York City that rents out older games to trusted members. They got in touch with one of the members to see if they could get the member to vouch for them. After setting up a meeting that day, the member went with them to the store to vouch. Here's what happened. Say now, uh, come on in, Ivan Noah. How are you? Joshua, my man. Great to see you. I got two guys here what I'd like to vouch for. Lovely people, big retro fans. I host a video game podcast called The Chompcast. Nice to meet you, sir. My name is also Josh. And I'm Rich. Pleasure. Hmm, I don't know. We have a pretty full list of people here with Beefy Gamers, Eric S, Bebop, Josh L, Justin, Paul, 
Zobie, and Tawny. We also have Amber and Fletch on the waiting list. Hey, I guess that, but I know these guys, eh? They fit right in here. You know me. Josh, I've been one of your best customers since you opened this joint. I would not do yous wrong. Mm, I don't know. After... After I caught James, Jay Holbro, and... After I caught J <laughs> After I caught James, Jay Holbro, and Ron doing disgusting things to my earthworm Jim plushie in the bathroom last last week, I'm hesitant. Josh. No, I know, no, I that poor bathroom. <laughs> Okay, good. Just making sure. I, I don't know what voice I'm doing. We've got so many as another person. Just keep going. Lines just, here. Just anyway, keep going. All do, right. do you. I, I'm just going to continue doing a New York accent for no fucking reason, because why not? It's the New York version of you. Exactly. Sir, if I may, I heard that you like Pokemon. I want to show you my Pokemon tattoo. My god, is that a ho-ho tramp stamp? You sees what I mean? You're in. We'll get you set up later, but let me show you some of what we have going on here. Here is the member select wall. This is for the premium members. You can choose from titles chosen by Bernadette, Jonathan, Matt, and Cy. Whoa. Is that shining force on the wall one that Matt chose? Josh, I think you mean shining force, the best tactics in Sega Genesis game ever created. You're damn right it is. Hey, but how long have you been here? <laughs> yes! That's the only time I will ever get you guys to be excited about shining force. Mm-hmm. Woo! No, no, Rich. Maybe, maybe I can convert you. But um, you and I have talked privately. We'll see. We'll see how this year goes. Yeah, Josh, Thank that was you good. Putting that away. Yeah. I think oh, we don't have to look at that anymore. I, uh, I had to settle on a, a proper, strong Italian accent because, like, I was being Ivan, and I don't think Ivan has a voice I can make fun of. I so Ivan, I just made him a caricature of an Italian mobster. Ivan is uh, he has more of a like a californian accent yeah but like it's not one I, I it's not one i feel like it's easy to make fun of or i'd be good at making fun of does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the california accent's not really a thing to make fun of outside of the valley unless, girl which yeah, i was is, gonna say unless you were a valley girl yeah she's not no no yeah it'd come off as a little inflammatory i think I just don't even think yeah, I could do anyway, it. Anyway, as soon as you did that, that's actually funny. My brain shut down, and I was also Italian for some reason. But yeah, I but, steered but more the direction of, a bouncer, of the sort of a. I steered the direction of the entire conversation. I just wanted to say "use guys" a lot. Mm -hmm. Use guys is fun to say. I get that. Um, but no, I want to just say thank you really quick. Uh, I, I'm glad that I got off my ass and actually <laughs> did this funny shout out because I I loved doing those and I forgot how much I love doing those. It's um it's a lot of fun. It makes us laugh and I I decided to be a little less descript than usual. I was going to go in pretty hard on the uh 
Earthworm Jim thing, but I was like, you know what? Let's not write a whole sex scene for this. Let's just leave it up to the imagination. But um, yeah, I really enjoy writing those. More of and a doing sex those. scene aftermath. Totally. Right, yeah. right. Um, but no, I want to say thank you very much to the patrons. They have been really supportive that last year that like i said they did so much for us and this beginning mm-hmm. of the year um they've helped us out a lot as well uh for sure for sure for sure um they just finished the doing a poll that i recently had or a sorry not a poll a survey and uh they're gonna be rewarded for that i'm excited about that thanks I gotta, guys yeah so thank you for everything that um the patrons do we appreciate you heaps and heaps we really do yeah absolutely yeah and on that note we are going to leave um you guys on a hopefully positive note uh thank you guys every one of you for taking the time to listen to uh our podcast if you want more content from us head over to swordchomp.com where we have more podcasts we have chomping after dark um, which is a spoiler podcast. Uh, we have some episodes going up of that. We have one going up in two days on the main feed. We have another one going up next month, which we're really excited about. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. We have some new Evoking the Sublime episodes going live. I finally got some new episodes done of that. The first episode is out. If you are listening to this, I interviewed Joel Corlitz, uh, the composer, BAFTA nominated composer, excuse me, um, who worked on. Halo Infinite with um, two other wonderful composers. He worked on Solar Ash. He worked on Eastward. He worked on Death Stranding with uh, Ludwig. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. He's done some other games as well, like Gorgoa, The Unfinished Swan, Hohokam, and some other games as well. Um, okay. He also works, or he teaches a class at Columbia University based out of Chicago. Um, it's part of a master course teaching um, about composition through video games. Very cool course. Um, if you want to hear about more about his process of writing music and you know how he got into music and what he does now, uh, check out that episode. It's on all the major feeds under Evoking the Sublime. We will be having two more episodes go up over the next two weeks with um, some other game devs. I'm not going to spoil that right now. Unless you're a patron, then our patron then you already know who's coming on the on the on the docket so uh, that's kind of the stuff you get as you are a patron but we also um rich is going to be getting up his new episode um of chomping at the bits which is going to be on tony hawk's pro skater that should be up by the time you hear this episode um he had a little snafu with editing and whatnot it is all fixed and it should be up by all fixed we mean uh re-recorded um one of those little fun behind the curtain moments where uh actually what I'll, I'll come out plainly and say on the other side of this is um i feel like the second take is a better version of the episode anyway hey uh, so that's I can, always good i yeah i can sound say confidently that i i do feel that way uh pretty big snafu uh that had me rip my hair out for a few days i wanted to have that episode out to you guys already but we're gonna get it in just under the wire for getting a february mm-hmm. episode out Turns out I was sitting in front of a shiny rock and not my computer while I thought I was recording. Yeah. <laughs> go as as we wrapped it up, they go, I think that rehearsal went great. Let's hit record this time. <laughs>
Yep. You always got to make that joke when that shit happens. Yeah. But um, I'm glad that you were able to get that all fixed and whatnot. And like I said, that episode should be up by the time you hear this. So check that out as well if you want that content. Um, we have some new articles that have gone up recently. I finally got my Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus review up. It was a pretty extensive one that I wrote. And uh, I got a very brief, brief, brief one done on Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which should be going up here fairly that'll, soon. That'll be up in the coming days, yeah. Cool. Um, we, we also have some other articles up there. Rich recently wrote about um, Machine Strike in Horizon Forbidden West, which is a cool little article. Uh, definitely check that out. I think that's, that's something we didn't even talk about today, which we'll have to talk yeah, about more next is, week. We, we can talk about it more next time. And the conjuncture of I love these warfaring people or, you know, vicious monsters who had enough time to design a board game yeah yeah i i definitely want to get more into uh machine sorry i forgot what the name was machine strike before we talk about it. i haven't i i did like the beginner person and that's all i've done so far i've been playing a lot of the intermediate people as there's there's a lot of people to challenge in cities once you get to the west cool literally yeah. when you see the icon it'll tell you like machine strike beginner machine strike intermediate machine strike expert dope yeah um and you can win new pieces by beating uh these people on all three of their boards mm, i love when you beat them but uh yeah we, rich rich and i've got some great articles up on that so you can check that out up on the site under articles also uh we have merch you can check out the merch buy that and wear it and if you buy something we will feature you on social media we love um highlighting our fans so if you're interested in that. And last but not least, last but not least, if you are wanting to be a part of a super exclusive club where you get access, early access to podcasts that we do, um, you have access to a sweet private Discord channel and Instagram channel where we update you weekly on the inner workings of Sorechomp, uh, you get access to private Skype calls with us, things of that nature, you're going to want to head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp. I'm telling you, there's a lot of cool things going on there. We have a very good community of uh, chompers uh, that really keep the machine running. They're all patrons, and uh, we'd love to have you as a part of the community. So if you're interested in that, head over there and check that out. And that will do it for the show. Um, I said I was going to end this on a happy note. Let's hope that um, the next week, over the course of the next week, that the only thing we have to really worry about is um, how we're going to find time to play all the amazing games that are coming out right now. I hope that the world, um, you know, obviously it's a long-term thing that we, we need long-term solutions, but I hope that we can... Um, see some some immediate change within this next week and i hope that we are able that we are able to um really see the world coming to a better place because obviously this week has been very very difficult so i'm hoping that we can see that change uh just remember to be kind to everybody there are a lot of things happening in the world that are out of our control and the things that we can control are being kinder to people and just spreading some level of positivity. I'm not saying positivity um, in the sake of, you know, for social media or clout. I'm saying simply just do the things that no one else is going to notice because it's the right thing to do and it brings some positivity in the world. Um, 
it's a good thing to do. And uh, yeah, we we all need a little bit more positivity right now. So hug your loved ones. Don't forget to tell them that you love them. And uh, thank you for making time out of your week to spend with us. And we hope that we were able to, um, you know, help you forget about the the real world situations that are happening right now. Um, and on that note, fuck Bobby Kotick and uh, take care. Get fucked, Kotick. That was a great rehearsal. Let's hit record. <laughs> oh, no.